0: I said put the bunny back in the box. Hello. Oh, shit, how are you? I'm very Thank well, you can again, you see mayor? and hear me okay? I could
1: see and hear everything, everything, That's
0: nice. Where <laughs> are you? Are you in Melbourne? Or are you I'm like in... even now far from?
1: <laughs> I'm Melbourne. I'm just next to the airport.
0: Nice.
1: Just got, yeah. So very happy.
0: It's like old times. It. It's been a while. There was a moment where we did a lot of these and you were all over the place in different motels and, and, and CD accommodations and your camper. <laughs> so is this place the nice where you camera. are now? it's it's okay
1: like they charge 200 bucks a night for this fucking place sheppy and it's really like, oh i'll be careful i'm charging lots of things up on a very um, tiny desk i won't show no. you around but it's really um it's uh yeah it's 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 a cupboard for a toilet and a <laughs> shower in the same room and that sort of shit yeah 200 for that that for but Ooh. it's nice because if you get like a midnight i can just go straight to sleep you know on that kind of flight and then not worry yes. about getting anywhere and i can pick my car up this morning at the airport again and everyone's happy and...
0: i guess that's it it's they nice know car. it you're paying for the convenience of just being like i've landed boom i can just go to somewhere good enough and i'll pay it so you yes. had a
1: bit of a curb moment funny enough but this isn't good enough none of this is good enough okay. this is just you and, you and me but just um like walking from the airport to here i've actually only nailed it this one i've said it four times i think and this is the only time i've nailed it because it's really weird if as the crow flies it's really close to the airport but there's so much capacity for neil page because it's it's <laughs> kind of just beyond the flyover and you've got to really get the right roads like to kind of make sure you don't end up like at the end of a little cul-de-sac which just cars zooming past you 120 <laughs> and you're like but shit the ibis should be oh okay you go back all the way <laughs> and it's really annoying there's like one road that cuts through a little pathway you get it right- anyway i get it right last night first time like at, you know without any faffery and um and then there's like an old, it's a really long stretch, but it's just one stretch to the hotel. And there's an an, an old lady ahead of me, about maybe 70 meters, got her suitcase, and she's going, um, it, there's nowhere else, because it's the end of a cul-de-sac, <laughs> she's going to the hotel with her suitcase. And then I'm behind her with mine. And it's like, and then ahead of her, is a fella about 100 meters and then he kind of stops he's been charging he stops and then waits for a little bit and i'm going and i think well is this where the queue to check-in starts really or not like do i have to wait for these two to get to the hotel like because they kind of they got off the plane first their luggage first they're here right
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and um and, and I didn't. <laughs> I overtook them. And I went to the hotel the reception, and a, a young couple were checking in. And they had their baby in their buggy. And everything was set for me to even be checked in before the old couple even got to the desk. But then the young couple like asked for a crib, like a spare cot. And then the guy at the reception desk went off to get the cot, which then meant the other couple caught up or interception reception be And it was very awkward, as I just had <laughs> in my passport. <laughs> like, well, you know, it was a chance. It was a
0: chance. Snoozy but... and lose. Yeah. North the jungle. It wasn't <laughs> like you cut in front of them, like by a hair. It was a time delay cut in front, which was valid because you did get there first. And it was bad luck, because if it wasn't for this stupid crib shit, you would have got through and it wouldn't have made any difference. So it was bad luck. Um, so don't you worry you're okay by
1: it makes me wonder whether the nativity had a similar story behind it as they turned up
0: is that a shoulders coming up like a (laughs) what if the family who did get the last room because they snuck in front of joseph and mary so they had to go off and give fucking birth in a fucking cave manger fucking cave so that's happening. And just because this fucking cunt is like, yeah, boy, I got the last room. <laughs> that's a whole film, surely. I'm seeing yeah, boy. Jack Black, early 2000s. <laughs> Owen Wilson, perhaps, 2002. Shanghai Nights era. Oh, uh, yes, oh, yes. I could see it. <laughs> Better luck next time, Joseph. Uh, <laughs> wonderful. There is room at the party inn. I uh, see it all, Martin Lawrence.
1: <laughs> oh my big god! Big Mama's
0: house
1: I um, I've got a crazy drive tonight, so I would prefer like that'll be. Th- it's not too bad, but it's like three hours starting at seven. So I'm.
0: But of course, keep keep awake when driving. Drink nice things. Don't fall asleep behind the wheel because <laughs> that's no good to anyone. That's so, yes, true. That. Yes, <laughs> a little thinker, have a Lucas. We're going to
1: every chase, oh, and navigate hey, for for bloody oh, suburbs. Uh, I without. have
0: a jo- I have a joke which I just came, which just came to me. Uh, if you were in England, I would say have a LucasAid. but because you're in Australia, I'll say have a LucasAid, sport. I just created a joke, oh my <laughs> and God. it's a. Doozy, so you can keep that. <laughs> you can keep that in the bank.
1: <laughs> it's good, Shep's. I've got to give it to you. It's very good. Wow. It's, uh,
0: yeah. I don't think it's a hall of famer, but it's oh, not but, bad. But,
1: but it has it's... the turn. It's it's got everything. It's got everything. I think you.
0: Uh, why do no yes yes why do melons believe in monogamy? God knows. Because they can't elope. <laughs> I Jesus woke, I woke up with that punchline and then sort of worked backwards on that. Now, I, I know that through statistics, I'm not the first person in history to have thought of that pun, but... I did not hear that anywhere else. So I'm just sort of like amused by my own, you know, spontaneity as I awoke from a slumber like Isaac Newton himself. (laughs) I bloody love it, Shepi.
1: I just listened to the Adam Buxton Christmas podcast where he always... Has a little chat with his chum, and it's a bit early, so I'm going to forget the director's name. But you know, Joe Cornish. Yeah, I was going to say attack the block of blah blah blah. You know, um. But the two of them always have a little Christmas chat. And it's always really lovely, and it's just it's just listening into the friendship. But they have yeah. a specific round where they ask the listeners to send in a made up joke. You know, that, that that's actually pretty well, decent. You nice. know, and I think Shep's that's that's worthy for sure.
0: So, oh, that's great. Um, yeah, I, I'm so rubbish because I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I don't listen. I've listened to a couple of Adam Buxton's, but I loved Adam and Joe at uni, at, you know, um, late 90s style, the, the programme, the Adam and Joe show. I'm such a fan. The, that's and, amazing. Um, I
1: never watched it really. So that's huge, Sheps, yeah. So all I of like that style. and then the fact
0: that they pop up, and yes, and in like hot fuzz and stuff and then attack the block and so on yeah it's great but yeah um, but it's funny that i haven't because i should be more into my buxton and then i should be definitely into all of these times when they have a chat and get together again because they're aces yeah i'm sure the adam and joe show must be on youtube it must be i haven't looked but i would like to see that again that was great so lovely
1: nice shows and, mate, we've got to talk Buffy before we get to the real meat and potatoes we? Ah, what a moment. Well,
0: yes. It's been very interesting watching Buffy this time around. I've said it before, but originally I watched Buffy with various people in two different groups in, like, late, late 90s, very early 2000s, and it sort of overlapped. And so I basically saw the show twice, um, and, the, you know, by about 2004, was the last time I had seen it. So 20 years now, and I had done Angel once before, all the way through, but I'd done Buffy twice before. And so watching it all now, and then doing Angel, like, so once season four of Buffy starts, it's season one of Angel, and it's like one, 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 yeah, one, 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 two, two, three, three. And you just do that. And it sometimes it meshes and mixes over in later seasons, for season seven and four, Uh, respectively there's a big crossover which is really satisfying with Faith and Faith has a big over Angel over a few seasons actually she has a huge character arc so that when she does pop up at the end of Buffy um, and she's like redeemed you see how she's been redeemed and it also ties in in Angel that she gets redemption with Wesley who totally fucked her up before and also the, the plot with all this sort of this cult trying to kill all the slayers in season seven. In Angel, you see them trying to kill her in prison, you know, Faith, and she has a fight in the yard. Uh, and there's like this knife, so it's a nice tie-in there. So there's loads of really satisfying things like that. And now we've finished Buffy, we've got the last season of Angel to come, and I know there's more kind of, you know, loose ends tied up there. And things explored. Angel was cancelled still prematurely but they did have enough time to kind of give it an ending. I'd be curious to see that again because like I say it's been like 20 years. So I think you know safe to say Angel peaks at season two. Buffy for me peaks seasons two and three but one is great, four is great, five and six are wobbly but have moments of greatness, seven's great, really satisfying ending. Um The biggest change for me on this watch as an older person, perhaps, is that all the way through this viewing, Zander through this whole, you know, all the seven seasons, Zander just really annoyed me very much all the way through. Uh, Whereas the first time I watched it, I guess I was about his age and I identified with him 110% all the way through. Um, So when he gets hurt, especially in season seven, I was like, oh my God, when it actually happened, you know. I watched it originally watching it now it's still horrendous that bit but it's satisfying (laughs) because Xander is a whiny bitch who is a bit (laughs) of a backstabber as well um oh may I also say that before we started season six of Buffy and season two of Angel I believe or Sweeney I guess of Angel um we no actually yeah just before it was between season six and seven of Buffy we watched Firefly and this was over Christmas and Firefly, of course, is like, what, 14 yeah. episodes? And then we watched Serenity. And that was like a break from Buffy and Angel. So we did that. So it's pure Whedon, oh, <laughs> lathering up in, with Whedon. But then in season seven of Buffy, when Nathan Fillion pops up as Caleb, the ultimate cunt, and fucks up Xander in a horrible way. Uh, that's amazingly satisfying. And watching that with Marty, it's like, oh my God, it's Nathan Fillion. Oh my God, he's horrible. Uh, so that was great. <laughs> And likewise with uh, the uh, the lady from Firefly, who is also the main villain in season four of Angel at the finale. But they were both out of work because Firefly had been cancelled. So they both became the big bad at the end of the respective seasons of Buffy and Angel. So that's nice. But again, very satisfying. And spoiler, Adam Baldwin from Firefly pops up in season five of Angel. So I'm looking forward to seeing him as well. Oh, so nice yes ships. Nice. so overall a very satisfying experience and like all great shows like Succession and Bad Men for example it's already even though there's still Angel uh, I'm already feeling a, a gap you know we yeah. both are like you know it's been a and we haven't you know we have taken little breaks and we haven't gone crazy with it but you know we, we did get through it pretty quickly especially when you consider we doubled it but then Angel and Buffy both complement each other anyway because they're both different flavors slightly, so it... I've got to see angel and I think when I do
1: that next Buffy episode lap, I'll do what you did like you' know to I mix mean? i I definitely want to do a Buffy one more time um yeah I loved I loved it when I did it yeah our chef's wonderful man I say the only one I've got to update you on is uh we started yellow jackets. I don't know if you've heard of this one I um, did that
0: with rishi and some... uh juliet Lewis. yes is yes yes
1: sorry yeah yeah man and it's um it's the first time we've watched a pilot and then done two more like Ooh. pure what netflix wants you to do binge fest like keep on cracking you know and um and it was um it was it's really it's confident storytelling ships so and it's really fun and i'm quite kind of into that yeah, it's really good I, I don't want to say too much it's got a lot of meatiness okay. a lot of a bit of scariness a little bit of fun you know that it knows it's a tv show in a fun way like it's like if the lost guys had sat down and gone we actually know what we're gonna this we got it you know and, mm-hmm. and it doesn't even matter like we, we were so like confident the lost you know guys
0: are not as cool as the lost boys <laughs> but they are the lost guys and yeah if they only had a clue what was going on, like, um, yes, then that would be brilliant. So, <laughs> so, and and you're saying Yellow Jackets is that. It does know. It yeah. does have a plan.
1: Yeah, it really does. I don't even want to tell you why I know, no, but you'll know within about great. 10 minutes, but just um, okay. yeah, like, it's just, yes, okay, cool. Yes, yes, yes. Give it, give it all to me as you want to, whoever you are. Yeah, it's wicked. good old <laughs> those guys. Um, well, yeah. that's
0: nice. I can't, well, that's, yeah, I can't Wait, I mean, I, I will say, like, I'll, I'll put it on the list. But we've, you know, just as we finished Buff, we've started uh, Six Feet Under, which I've never oh, seen. Yeah. It's on Netflix. But, um, yeah, it's it's got lots of familiar faces. And I remember it from way back in the day, pre-Dexter, Michael C. Hall and stuff. Um, but, yeah, uh, Marcia had seen it once, but like, ages and ages ago and but we're on my like episode 5 i think and it's it's solid and i'm i'm into it so that's good so starting something totally new even with all these other things because why not why not yeah. also into yellowstone season 5 which means caught up with everything in stoneverse including 1923 and unlike 1883 1923 is definitely set up for a season two, so I certainly hope they they get onto that. But there is one scene uh, between Harrison Ford and Timothy Dalton, which is delicious, and also pub quiz, hot clank. This means that Harrison Ford has uh, acted alongside three separate Bond actors in non-Bond-related projects. Uh, so he's been with Dalton now. Danny Craig in Aliens and the Cowboy Men, and um, Connery in that last Crusade film. So that's nice. (laughs) How many other actors have acted with James Bond stars, but in non-Bond films in different things, different ones? I'll give you one. Michael Caine he did go <laughs> yeah well, can you name name how many michael king oh colonies? blimey well
1: we got man who would be king um where uh you got roger moore in bullseye yeah,
0: no i've never seen it. oh yes 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 of course yes of course um, yes 100 um, kane and Moore, bullseye what a combination
1: well has he done another with another one of them has he been with craig Back. i don't know Shep's. has kane um, got a hat trick
0: I'm sure he has. Let's think. Kane has done more, and Connery and Brosnan in the Fourth Protocol.
1: Oh, amazing! Of course, brilliant.
0: So that's a solid three. So good for him.
1: trick is the gold standard, basically, is what you're saying. You need three yes. of them,
0: all right. Yeah, you need three for the exclusive job. <laughs> You've got one like Bernard Lee, of course, who's acted with three. Bonds in three different Bond films but that doesn't count <laughs> Did he's fucking M. <laughs> it's the same with Desmond Llewellyn, Lois Maxwell, even Joe Don Baker um, I won't count because they were all Bond films. The One of the gypsy dancers from from Russia with Love uh, who's like, you have saved his life. You are too soft to be a gypsy. Thank you, thank you. Um, she's in the da- Seeing silhouette at the beginning, I think of uh, Doctor No. She's one of the gypsy fighting girls in From Russia with Love, and she's Paulina uh, Bond's helper um, from Jamaica or wherever, but in um, Thunderball. So okay. there you go. Uh, but that's the same same fucking bond so it doesn't matter anyway She's that's well a great little
1: car game that the that ships that's a great car game i have to yes. reflect on it do you have another up your sleeve that you know has got yes i trait?
0: do should well, i throw it out there or
1: is it like a, just a transcendent actor like it's another someone big one who like...
0: you're like well of course you know it's not a, i mean not a t- transcendent he's too recent but you know he's like a friend in a sense he's almost a contemporary of right. that you oh know. wow!
1: I was going to you say contemporary? I was going to go like a Hugh Grant or something who's been around the British kind of you know right. institution well, 40 by years. Well, but... someone who's
0: about maybe just a little bit older than us, but like Simon Pegg, let's say. But when right. like, of course, it's like well, Simon Pegg, he would be with lots of different bonds. I mean, can you tell me, uh, Simon Pegg? He's certainly been with
1: oh Dalton um, and Hot Fuzz, and uh... right but i'm just trying to think now was he was roger moore in
0: anything no no alas only in light night of the living ed i'm afraid (laughs) But still the
1: best title either of us have come up with oh uh, hang on um oh bloody hell this can't be good radio world's
0: end In The World's End, he is with Brosnan. Of
1: course he is. Jeez, I've forgotten about that movie. And even the
0: hardest one is, and I don't even know if they spent any time together. It's very possible they didn't, in which case this may not even count. But Tintin, he's in with Danny Craig.
1: And Star Wars technically as well, The Force Awakens, right? Well, no, that definitely doesn't count. um,
0: Because it's about acting with. It's not about sharing a, you know... The framework of a movie is who it is literally acting with but who knows maybe knowing spielberg if the twins the thompson twins i think um had a scene with daniel craig's character then they would have had the scene together as actors in the big holodeck um but otherwise i don't think so Speaking of holodeck, by the way, Patrick Stewart, who has worked, by the way, with at least one bond in uh, Pierce Brosnan in Death Train in the the, the 90s, which is fucking wicked with Christopher Lee as well. Uh, Amazing film. Patrick Stewart, I've been, I took a big pause over the whole of December and most of January with the Patrick Stewart autobiography because it got to Star Trek. It got to his first auditions and how he got into Star Trek. His first experience meeting everyone most of the first season or the beginning of filming the first season, and then it was Christmas. And because it was so, I found myself taking like 10 minutes per page because in reading each line, just soaking it in because I was just like, This is it was so rich, and I was suddenly proper nostalgic 90s next generation again. So because of that, I use Christmas and everything as an excuse just to elongate because I didn't want it to end. But then I did, and I read the rest of his Star Trek stuff, which he gives ample time to, I'm glad to say. Rightfully so, because, you know, he knows which side his bread is buttered. The book Mm -hmm. is called Making It So. He's his own joke from that episode of Extras. he's in now. Um, (laughs) But anyway... It's good, so I did that, uh, but it's surprisingly not that much left. He's just thought, annoyingly, he mentions that, like, so he's going to talk about the X-Men, but I want to know much more about his 90s Hollywood experience, and I want to know more about his life this century, frankly, Um, but we're getting quite close to the end, so I don't know if it's going to end on a cliffhanger to be continued or, or not because <laughs> but it's already skipped. Like I wanted to know about his nineties Hollywood shit that he was doing, obviously for money, but I want him to talk about the experience of making gunman with Christopher Lambert. I knew that he wasn't going he's sharing screen time with Dennis Sleary. Um I knew he wouldn't mention gunman, but it would have been nice. But he's just started talking about X-Men. But he just says, oh, because I was making a film called Conspiracy Theory with Julia Roberts and Mel Gibson directed by Richard Donner, and Richard Donner's wife was about to produce the X-Men film, dot, dot, dot. And that's it. I basically just quoted it 100% verbatim. I want to know what it was like working with Richard Donner. I want to know how it came about him working in Conspiracy Theory. I want a chapter on Conspiracy Theory. I want to know if he was like deliberately sort of channeling a sort of marathon man, Lawrence Olivier vibe, or if, or if not, uh, if not, how can he not see the comparison? He shared screen time with both Gibbo and Roberts at their peak nineties um, ness. Uh, but no, that was it. Uh, so unless he's going to surprise me with an unexpected conspiracy theory encore at the end, I'm done for. So That's, <laughs> that's a shame. Save
1: the best for last. I
0: wanted, to, I wanted uh, to know about media because he shares a screen. He he acts in uh, in LA Story with Chevy Chase in one scene i want to know about that in like 1990 <laughs> yeah that's exactly
1: what i was, was going to ask you about any la story reference but no, no.
0: yeah no. <laughs> i understand not gunman but it would have been nice in la story you know i went through a movie for me i want hollywood stories i want you know, you know he was an englishman i've read the um david niven going to hollywood moon is a balloon and i've read with nails the richard e grant and the patrick stewart He's not really going there for me. He's focused very nicely on, you know, he's in, his, his background was fascinating and he gave good time to Next Generation. And now, obviously, he's going to talk about X-Men. But then he's just going to be, and that's it for me. He's just like, well, okay, but what about that book Beth you did in 2009, which I saw and it was excellent. I want to know about that. Uh, but <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get that either. We're all being in extras for that matter. Oh, never mind there you go and doing the voice on american dad which i never really watched but he does and it says MacFarlane, and he says naughty things i don't want to know about how that happened <laughs> uh, so yeah but we're not going to get that but maybe i'm being greedy i, I feel like he's got two up. in him
1: isn't he surely surely there might be a sequel
0: maybe you'd think so because he's really we're still with like late 90s now <laughs> and then you know in his timeline and we are getting relatively close to the end, so yeah, it is coming up. Um, so yes, anyway, to be continued, I suppose. I suppose we should get to the actual. We should main, get to the meat uh, of focus. it, Sheps. My
1: goodness gracious, yes. I haven't even. I don't even know how long my pitch is for this, but let's let's do intros. Let's do intros. All been. Uh, Solid. W- w- welcome, welcome, welcome to Shoulders of Giants. I'm Jimmy.
0: Hello, I am Sheppy.
1: I threw that to you like a hot potato weirdly with my inflection and I, I was like, I'm Jim, no, I catch like that it. motherfucker, amazing well I,
0: I'm crikey I didn't see that much of an inflection but thank you for articulating you obviously had a lot to get off your chest
1: <laughs> Um Yes, and we are, Sheppy, we are the What If podcast for movie sequels, prequels and spin-offs and uh, extra seasons of TV shows and whatnot. taking your beloved <laughs> IP and doing wonderful things with it and sometimes, you know, ridiculous oh, things with it. Oh,
0: Spiralling out of control. Out of
1: control, always. Um, <laughs> and today, Sheppy, we're, it's kind of a normal service resuming a little bit because we've had a, a slight semi-hiatus of bubble Epps and experiments with the prisoner. But today, ships, we return to filmic form. There you go, a bit of alliteration, (laughs) pulling it back. And um I set us the uh the 90s rewatchable classic, let's say uh rewatchable did you say? Yeah, just a very rewatchable movie, right? People
0: rewatch it. People rewatch it. The time there's even a scene at the beginning of the unbearable weight of massive talent um, yes. where they're watching Con Air, so yes, it's definitely a chill out with your friends, watch Con Air type film. Fair play, um, yes. You know, it seems to me. I'm just going to say this right off the bat: we, you, and I are probably at some point going to have to do a Nicolas Cage bubble pod because there's mm. a lot of there. Uh, he's oh got my much, god, much stuff. And it's and I've seen a lot of his stuff recently. Actually, I haven't seen Con Air. I didn't do that for this.
1: No, me neither.
0: Um, it's 1997, and it was made in the beautiful Cage trilogy. It was The Rock, then Con Air, then Face Off. And I always forget that Con Air and Face Off came off came out um, very very in the same year. In England, it was a bit more spaced out. Um, Con Air was like summer and face-off was autumn and I saw it at university but I believe in America like fucking the next week it genuinely wow. was a face-off um, so <laughs> yes, yeah, double cage it was a cage match uh, I, <laughs> if they didn't use that then I don't know what people were doing in 1997 because that's a that's just there to be used but nonetheless in England it wasn't did you see Con Air at the cinema in I 1997?
1: did Sheppy I was I was all in on this kind of, you know, Simpson Bruckheimer shenanigans. I I, I loved all this sort of stuff uh, at the time and I was, you know, had my ticket and was was ready
0: to rock and roll
1: in and yeah, I, I I remember really thoroughly enjoying it as well at the Cinobar too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Do you remember where you saw it?
1: Yeah, it was Eastbourne, I think. I don't know, we didn't see it together on one of no, your trips no, we down, didn't. no. Yeah, I, I think
0: I saw it, well, I either definitely saw it in Guildford or something tells me I saw it in Bracknell. I saw a few random films in Bracknell for a while um, <laughs> and, <laughs> in, the, in the sort of mid-ish to late 90s, including a Bond season at midnight, starting with Goldfinger. But there you go. <laughs> anyway, I think I might have seen Con Air in Bracknell, but if not, it was Guildford. I will say this, Jimmy. I remember the trailer, the teaser, and I know it very well because it was on one of the Empire magazine trailer video giveaway tapes. There's loads of trailers. It was before YouTube, and so I, I've, I've always loved trailers. So I, I ate it up. There were a bunch of these, but I remember this one, and it was Conair. Of course, was one of those trailers, and it's the short one, um, which is great. And it uses the music, which is really good. You know, electric guitar and 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 all oh, of that. And I had loved the rock. Uh, yeah, which and I was just coming off that when this trailer was hitting, and I, so I was very excited. I wasn't like "come on for life," but I was like, "I'm sure this is going to be great." <laughs> um, uh, but but I was, I will say, I remember being let down in the cinema because ultimately, of course, Conair isn't very good, and I was expecting it to be good. And that's ultimately what it comes down to. Once you accept certain things, it does work as a. So, you know, Marta and I watched Conair. It was like about probably a year and a half, maybe a year and a quarter ago, just randomly on a Friday night. Let's like drink wine or watch something weird and shit. Like, Conair, perfect. And it's exactly what it's there for. Um, and it was great. It was around the time, actually, the, uh, that you and I recorded The Rock Pod. And it was the perfect time for oh, nice. Marshall and I to re-watch The Rock. But we didn't. We watched Moonstruck and then with Nell and I. <laughs> but I don't think that interfered with The Rock pod, frankly. Um, and the Conair pod is fairly dodgy as well. So it's it's keeping up a trend. Um, but I will say, yeah, so I saw Conair again on video or DVD like a year or two later. And I saw it again, I would say, probably around 2000 and I'm going to say two, maybe one on Sky. Um, and that might have been the last time I'd seen it until about a year and a half ago. So it was a substantial but, you know, it's once you know what it is, you know, the, my problem is also, you know, it really is hardcore. It's Simon West and it's his first film and I believe he had done lots of MDV and there's a lot of cutting like this. I think there's a cut literally like every three seconds. Literally like uh, with very few examples which are of the opposite. So that's a bit of a problem as well.
1: I think it's his best movie, though, for me. I was looking at his I'm LB. a General's yeah. Daughter fan. I have are to you? say yeah, play I'm sure.
0: doing the salute just for you for oh, the God. Travolta poster. I haven't seen the General's Daughter for probably 20 odd years, proper Jimbo fashion, but I remember really liking it. And Simon West has also done the Expendables too. He's done the other Statham. He did um, the the mechanic remake from the Charles Bronson. He did that with Statham. He did uh, the first Laura Croft film, which I also was really disappointed with at the cinema, and I haven't seen it since because I remember being really disappointed with it. Um, but in, in the case of Conair, I did enjoy it last time I saw it, but I I didn't feel the need to rewatch. Did you rewatch for this pod? I didn't, Sheppy. I I
1: didn't feel the need to. I watched the trailer. Uh, again, just to get the vibes, you know, and the nice. sort of you know, or just to re-anchor, you know, but it's one of those movies I've seen like 20 times. Easy. You know, if there's oh, a 20-year rule, then there's a 20-time rule as well. And it's one of those movies <laughs> where I definitely feel I've seen it it's heaps and heaps and heaps, and heaps. And, heaps. and I, I think you're totally right. I remember I I don't remember being angry with it in a way that I would be now coming off the rock, mm. where the rock was pretty perfect and felt of substance and wicked yeah. the cinema. I knew this was flimsy, but it was so much fun. I definitely went on the ride, so to speak, during during the movie and I, and I and it's one of those films where it's a bit like it's almost like Marvel movies where I'm much more interested in Ant-Man having some banter with, I don't know, Thor than the mm. big galactic battle at the end that needs to happen. Like and I'm just really mm. interested in that. And like for me, the really rewatchable bit of Conair is the first out, like, you know, first let's say, hour and a bit, like, where they're all being introduced, yeah. and it's all the, you know, the, <laughs> I don't know, just the, the, the ridiculous stylish, stylish, just, uh, you know, the scores wicked, and everybody's, like, really hamming it up, and having such great fun that you can't help but have yeah. fun, too. And then, like, and then, yeah, it's all fine, nothing really drops apart, but I mean, the collateral damage alone at the end of Vegas <laughs> and stuff, like, is just absolutely absurd, and, like, it's just amazing, and you know, I, I just I'm less interested in just watching Malkovich and Cage chase each other. Like, do you know what I mean? Really, like I I just want all the sinister Will Cage's you know undercoverness be uncovered, or like, yeah. you know, and, and 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 the explosions and the hair and the vest and they're you going know, to save the fucking day and all that stuff mm. is with so much fun. And I really wanted more Cage and Cusack moments, and that's mm. one of the things the film doesn't give you. Like, yeah, it's but,
0: interesting that. Husek is so forgettable in that film. He's not in the trailer, not the Empire trailer that I know and loves, mm. anyway, very much at all. Um, and in the film, he's quite unmemorable. And it's interesting because here it's a, it's a nice dynamic because he's the Stanley Goodspeed to Cage's John Mason in yeah. this case, and that's interesting. And Cage and him are both charismatic. They're, I mean, they're both in different Spike Jones films very soon after, and, and they're both brilliant really into that. But it's yeah for whatever reason I don't think the film lent towards it and it didn't never became a buddy buddy maybe at one point it was going to be but now kind of Kusek is like the friendly helper but he's not it's not like a buddy buddy at all yeah um, the bunny is more of a buddy yeah. Um, so- <laughs> Uh, I I'm, say, so famously, what with I'm so fascinated. thread really pulled
1: with this, Shep? I'm so fascinated. I you remember
0: understand. when Malkovich gave an interview in Empire when they were making it, so he wasn't even waiting till the cash had like cleared and the, you know, the check had cleared in the bank. He um, he said like, "This is ridiculous. They're changing the plot, the script every day. I'm getting new pages. I'm not even looking at them until I get on set because they keep changing. I could be an I could be an alien at this point. I wouldn't be surprised." Um, and so I remember that and then like in 2015 I believe it was he was on Graham Norton with Samuel L Jackson and Norton was like oh isn't it crazy that you two have never been in a film together considering how many films you've both been in and um, Samuel L Jackson said oh it's because he's only in good films and classy films not my kind of (laughs) films." and Andrew Malkovich was like excuse me I was in Con Air if that's a serious or classy film, then I'm an astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so the audience went wild. And that's amazing. Oh so, yeah. And again, he was asked, why did you do it? And he said, the money. So good for Malkovich. I good say. for Malkovich. Um, Absolutely. So 100%, of course, the money. Uh, but I hope he had some sort of good time. He's very good in it. Yeah. He's very good. They're all great.
1: They're all great, to yeah. be honest. No one really feels like slid-
0: and you Dave Chappelle, in retrospect. Yeah. I didn't know him at the time. But now it's like, oh, that's nice. And also, the, um, yeah, the nutty professor as well. So and and Buscemi, I was also the first time around disappointed because again, I didn't know what sort of film it was. And so Buscemi turning into kind of like a likable, happy pedophilic killer. Oh, God. They animal. really go um, over the line with that, it, though, don't they? It, well, it's like, now that I know what it is, I'm like, OK, fine but if you will, if you must, fine. Okay. But um, at the time I was like, Oh, he is like this diabolical fucking hardcore. And it, you know, really you're playing with fucking fire with this guy. just he could turn on you. He could turn on anyone. And um, it doesn't, but it doesn't, it didn't happen. Nothing like that happened. And then he's like having that creepy little sing song with the little girl. Oh and at the time I was like naive, but I was like, where, which direction is this going to go? Yeah. And then she's like, Goodbye. I'm <laughs> like, Well, what's the point in that then? Um, I mean, I don't know. I guess I even wanted her to be rescued or for it to, you know, to turn into a chase and for her to somehow escape or for her to fucking get skinned and worn back to the plane as a hat. But it it didn't give me any of those. Yeah, I completely
1: agree. It's a cop out, that isn't it? It's but a real it's very cop out.
0: satisfying when the song kicks in at the end, "Sweet Home Alabama," and um, you see him. Is it Gare, Gare, Gare something? I've got it written down somewhere. Gare Green, perhaps. Gare oh Gare yeah,
1: Gare. yeah. I wonder what he like. He's playing, like, play he's him, playing
0: but... dice at the end in Vegas, and it, and it's really like go get him, Gare Green, uh, the <laughs> Mangala Mangala or whatever. Um, so that's satisfying. So ultimately, I will say I like, I do like it. And I like Face Off and I like Con Air and I, you know, and they're all kind of different. And The Rock is still my favourite by a country mile. Um, But I, I like Cage in this film. He's good as the tough guy, action guy with his rule. I like the bunny joke. I like, I mean, right there, it does wear its heart on its sleeve. It tells you what you're watching if you look. At the beginning in the montage in prison, he's doing like, you know, learning different things and learning chess and whatever and doing sit-ups with his bunk. And then it's like, you know, origami for beginners and you see him like making little cranes and you're like, that's genius. That's really funny. You're sitting down and you're coming up with a list of things and there's a laugh. of you like origami for beginners and you do it in this big budget and it's like a, a Simpsons joke and it's hysterical. it's like Sideshow Bob but it's right there with Cage doing it which I think is adorable and I'm going to put it down to Cage, you know, that being his idea, but I liked it, but just the fact that everyone's open to it and they kept it in and all of that, like fair play, so there is that going for it it's it's very fun and I like Ving Rhames in it and the shot in the trailer from the film where Ving Rhames is screaming and firing both guns Mm -hmm. together is double nails uh, yeah. so i've always liked that as well and danny treo is in it uh being Hero Treo. And there's a good joke which is similar to various ones like in die hard with a vengeance or jurassic park the lost world where or, or even jurassic park where you've got someone like a body part in the and i believe it's danny treo like his arm is in the foreground hanging from the um like cuff like the handcuff and then his body just falls out of frame but his arm is still there so you know you don't see it but obviously he's had his arm chopped off <laughs> that's it's fantastic
1: i'd forgotten and that it's... beat actually and they've got yeah, those, a, nice... a classic sort of what Sheppy and jimmy might have come up with on the playground with the
0: old Sai mm.
1: anara yes.
0: you the do army. me credit to even include me, because that's a Jimmy classic. You would say that <laughs> genuinely, that level in the 80s playground, and um, you would say so. and I'd probably actually be angry and storm off to my trailer because you come up Your with like the trailer. Like, the, the, the the weird... trailer. <laughs> my trailer! What are we talking about here? Um, so yes, did you have any other general thoughts? I think you've
1: hit lots of things that I was going to say, which is lovely. I wanted to say um, the uh I I agree. I, I think rock is untouchable for me. And then this probably slightly edges face off for fun. I think face off is better for the majority of the movie. And then there's just this horrifically cheesy ending that I can never yeah. really forgive it for. That I, it never, I never, it never yeah. lives
0: up to its full potential, just face off. They should have swapped back for the third act for one thing. Yeah. Um and yeah, it doesn't it does become sort of conventional. It has some very good bits. But yeah, when you watch that and you just forgive it, again, during this Nicolas Cage season, like a year and a bit ago, we watched Face Off as well. And it was a lovely moment because we, Marta knew it was called Face Off, but we're watching it and suddenly at a certain point, about a third of the way through, it gets obvious why Face Off? And it's not just Face Off, but it's Face Off because the face comes off. And it's like, it's literally, Marta was like, oh, oh, (laughs) (laughs) the right... (laughs) <laughs> uh, like okay i see i i get it it's a real last christmas wannabe so but it was it was good stuff so um i like that in face off but no no but so conair i guess is my second favorite of that and it's like a nice sunny a nice sunny yeah, film
1: really sunny I, I just that one yeah i and you feel that i think and like that i um I, dis- I did like a tiny bit of wikipedia on it, Shepard. I thought this was worth just sharing, right? Producer Brookheimer found the right spot for the climactic fire finale. Originally planned for a crash at the White House... But Las Vegas was more in keeping with the theme and the pun of convicts cashing in, whatever that means. And we got lucky. (laughs) The sands in uh, Vegas was going to be demolished anyway, the hotel. So they blew up the tower on their own. And then they blew up the front of the building, which is pretty cool. So it's all quite, it's real effects and stuff. And they, they blew up a Vegas hotel for it. And it won the Golden Raspberry Award for the worst reckless regard for human life and property. <laughs> it honestly makes Man of Steel like Care Bears or something. Like, it's ridiculous, Amazing. that ending. Isn't it? I mean, how many <laughs> civilians die at the end of Con Air? There's a pub quiz for you, Jesus.
0: One other thing I remember always being exasperated with the film It's sort well of saying is just that Bubba, um, whatever his name is in this film and in real life, Oh, um, yeah. They go through all that shit, and I know this is how it was all designed and set up, but I find it infuriating and frustrating. go through all that shit to give him insulin and everything, and then he starts getting better, and then he gets shot. And it's like, oh, what's, you know, it's just annoying. It's like in Mm. any wilderness survival film, there's always that bit where they come back and they find their original campfire from the first night and they realise it walks in a massive circle and everything that happened was for nothing. There's always that moment and I always hate it and it just annoys me and it's the same in this. So I'm just going to say that. Yeah, Um, I know what you mean. Yeah.
1: Yeah is it like everything on you
0: in, yeah oh, it's just it's just annoying and it's cheap um so i don't i don't care for it i won't have it in my home <laughs> uh, but i but i do like cage of course i always like cage cage is great and um i like all of it so yes i will say this i did have a a small like, um, you know, I just had an idea which I wrote down. And as I promised you, every time I went back to it just to polish the idea, it grew. It hasn't, it's not a shepherd at all, at all. Okay. It's substantially less. It's a, but so it's a, yeah, but there's lots of weird little details that if I wanted to streamline it, I could just leave them out. But then I thought, well, what are we here for? If what not the hell are we here details? for? Mm. Well, I'll
1: tell you this this is oddly. In the mid-range of the Jimmy length. Um, well, you eight, let eight history pages.
0: decide. Yeah. But um, <laughs> like, um, in terms of um, mid-range length, I'm, I'm all for it.
1: 3,000 words, Sheps? I don't even know what that means anymore. But Neither just, do um, I. Yeah. But, um. But yeah, so, it, uh, look, I'm going to tell you Let's now. Let's
0: have it. Conair uh,
1: is, is, you know, as we've decided, a deeply flawed movie. This is even more flawed even more ridiculous, terrible. Would never get made. Had far too much fun. Yeah, far too much fun with the cast. Far too much fun. Far too much fun. Full stop. And um, yeah, I, I knew what I wanted to do is before I even set it, and then I kind of, you know, I, and then I paused for ages, and I really only got to it properly recently. But 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 then here we are. Here we are, Shep. You know what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give you um like i think it's three cast members and then i'm just gonna give you the rest of the cast as we go because it's far okay. more fun that way as well um it's a straight conair two for me uh 2016 oh uh it doesn't really matter when it's set we got uh, but i want the the daughter to be a little bit older for just simply one gag <laughs> So the whole thing <laughs> is predicated on that although um i do have and simon west again back 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 mm-hmm. um to redeem himself after the general's daughter yabu sucks to you giving <laughs> you the opposite of a salute maybe a little cheeky eddie hitler for oh. bottom double um unbelievable uh but we've got nicholas cage back as cameron poe uh and we've got, um, I mean, and that, by the way, to be honest, I probably shouldn't have even said that because it's a bit of a spoiler in some ways, mm. because I'm going to give you like a ridiculous kind of pre-title sequence, which doesn't feature Cage, and you might have thought, "Will Cage be even in this one, but, oh. um, but never mind, it doesn't matter. But, you know, the um,
0: posters would have him, the advertising. There's of course, no way you couldn't know. sell it without him, really, could you? No. Um,
1: and then we've got Cusack back. And and there's the like you said, there's definitely an argument to say Vince Larkin doesn't return, you know, because he doesn't need to return. But they've I'm, all I'm got
0: great it. names, though. Like any good self-respecting action film, every character has a fantastic name. You do, <laughs> Vince And I have Larkin. gone for that too, Vince
1: Larkin. Holy. And, um,
0: Larkin is obviously a very countryside-associated name, I would say. Whereas Vince, to me, sounds like kind of Miami Vice, you know, Miami at night, you know, hard asphalt on the moonlight. So yeah, uh, that's a funny name to me. I always and remember
1: I, Cusack having terrible shoes in this movie. Is that fair? I, I Maybe think his, so. I think his, his shoes are the sandals. country and the shoes like open-toe sandals, something like
0: that. <laughs> Um, I think that's and, his gimmick, you know, because he's the Stanley Goodspeed. So he's kind yeah. of like a hippie, so, you know, and he's like not out for action field work and stuff.
1: Agreed, definitely. And he's similarly, well, same, same vibes in this one. And then, and then the, 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 the daughter and the, the wife play by pay the same actress, the
0: same as yeah, well. And... Oh, well, she was in stuff for a while. Is it Monica Porter, the actress who plays his wife? Maybe I yeah. something like that. I, should, I mean, it's easily checked. I'm so unprofessional. But um let's say Monica Potter. But she was in like a bunch of things in the late 90s, early 2000s, including definitely along came a spider, uh, the Morgan Freeman thing. Yeah, um, cool. And the James Patterson, Alex Cross is yeah. the second Alex Cross thing. She was in that as the girl. And she was in Daniel meet Martha, Thomas and Adrian, whatever the fuck is called, this sort of English. Horrible romantic comedy thing with Tom Hollander when he was young and even more smug looking. Uh, and she was in a few other things as well as like the American girl. So there you go. Good old her. Just nice to check
1: there. though, you are a Tom Hollander fan though,
0: right? Yeah, I loved Tom Hollander. Yeah, yeah he, good, he, good the other day, he He received, um, I believe it was him who received Tom Holland's uh, a bonus check from Spider Man Endgame, uh, from, from Avengers Endgame. And he said it was an astronomical sum of money, but he got sent to Tom Hollander by mistake, which is so crazy it can only be true.
1: All right, all right, go on air two sheps, um, with, with whichever production company has given us their little cheeky logo, obviously the Simpson Brookie or whatever. Mm. But basically, then we're immediately into um, the spinning wheels of a military buggy as it careers down a runway towards a huge hangar base of operations. We pull back, back, back from the driver back to Kusack as Vince Larkin, aviators on looking nails AF. I've put mm-hmm. um he and you know, huge score. I love the Cornair score, honestly. Mm. Um it, it might be absolutely equal with the rock stuff anyway, but um, the um they they get to the base, the pair of them, um, and uh, and there's heaps of security at this place, you know, uh, body scanners, all the rest of it. Cusack is handling the situation generally with nonchalance and cool aplomb, I've put, until he gets a beep and there's a pen in his top pocket, sets off the alarm and um, some jobs worth, and I've just put, this is a cameo, I've thrown a few cameos in here, Sean William Scott uh, is is carrying out, he's like, sir, we need to confiscate this. But he's just, he's not like being mugging, you know, Stifler, Mm -hmm. Sean Williams Scott, this is like a kind of Simon West Beads of sweat on the head, sure, but it's You know, we, we need to confiscate this. Um, and Kuzak's, well, what the hell are you going to do with it? And he goes, you, You'll be able to collect it when you leave. And Kuzak just says, It's just a damn pen. And the security guard, uh, old Scott, just says, You know, and he's a bit of an asshole, you know, and he goes, You'll be able to collect it when you leave at our discretion. And he drops the pen into the trash. And Kuzak goes, No, he goes, No, you see, that's not very nice. What if that was a family heirloom? And Sean has got just goes, is it? Because I just goes, that's besides the point, you know. And we have a few familiar faces here in cameo, um, like just from loads of other stuff, not from Con Air or anything, but just more like to say, like you know, the budget's off the charts for this movie, Sheppy off the fucking charts. So oh, I'm going right. to say that like the liaison for here, as ridiculous as that might sound, to get him off the charts, but think 2016, and um, and I and I think this would be cool. Cameo, but I, it has turned into slightly more of a character. Funny enough, as this has gone on, but um, I don't know whether you really got into your Modern Family. But um, but Cam from Modern Family, who plays the um, the brother-in-law to the family, he's like, you know basically oh. the the gay son's partner. Um, he's quite a big dude, and he's quite funny. He's very very yes. funny in Modern Family. I have seen um,
0: Modern Family just for the record. Nice yeah.
1: ships. So I'm I'm going for Cam. <laughs> is here mm-hmm. as liaison for Cusack. But again, exactly. If like he was a
0: cartoon, stuff. he would be a hippo. Yes. Like a friendly yes. hippo. <laughs>
1: but here he's not friendly here he, he, he is type. like Tony Scott type cam he is po-faced, he is serious and he is a bit sweaty too and it's just like and I <laughs> want to see it and I want to see him being like really like you know a bit nails so he's like he's just different energy You know he's, yes. not, he's not gay in real life the actor I know uh, that
0: you could do that even now <laughs> yeah. um, I think casting one gay actor isn't enough if you're hmm. having to Patrick Stewart mentions that in his book like in Jeffrey, he plays a, a gay character, and he says he might not do that in today's climate. So yes, discuss, s- but not right now.
1: Oh. <laughs> a different essay. And yes. certainly this is not up to the level of that kind of uh, thought process. That's fair. <laughs> um, That's fair. Um, anyway. Arkham gives Kusak his visit pass, ushers him into a main briefing room where he intros him to the main man running the show in this hangar, who I haven't bothered to name with an awesome name like a Vince Larkin, but is mm-hmm. played by Russell Crowe Sheppi.
0: Oh, amazing
1: um and our action cam um and you know what i didn't even realize that we've got cameron poe so i probably would have had a different cameo when it came to have a cam as being yeah. the the, the uh, significant identifier of that but anyway action cam says you know mr crow this is Vince larkin here senior marshal liaison and crow is in pure twinkly aussie accent in charisma mode mm. how are you finding the nasa hospitality so far mr larkin and, uh, and luck, and, you know, Kuznet just be very cool with all this. But, you know, he's like, "Well, security stole a perfectly harmless pen," and uh, Crow just gives it a pen. I heard what I heard what went down in Vegas back in '97. Crow pulls a biro out of one of Cam's top pockets and just goes, "You might want to take some notes, nice Larkin." Kuznet takes the pen with a withering look because this is a sequel and a lot, I'll put a bit shitter here, but I changed it to a lot shitter, yeah. we actually get a sequence like the trailer for the first one and the sequence of the first one, but all with Crow giving it the full voiceover. And to hmm. his gathered crowds, to the assembled people in this hangar, he gives it a, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we've been entrusted with laying the groundwork for human occupation of Mars. The irony is not lost that we should entrust the salvation of human life with some of the lowest examples of it, nor is it lost that NASA employ an Australian to lead such a challenge of colonisation. Nevertheless, here we are, and we get a rogues gallery, and we see a giant video screen in the control room, as a group of criminals are being driven into the airfield that Cusack just travelled along in a giant bus, and it's like uh, it's like a standard airport plane terminal transfer bus. Um, and they there the criminals are standing on it as we would in a vert commerce only their feet are tightly changed chained up and they are all spaced several meters from each other the bus parks we've only seen their feet so far you know no, no intros yet bus parks and we see each one of these criminals exit and i've put with uber individual charisma wearing astronaut suits but no helmet yet as crow gives it the full voiceover and basic resume on each <laughs> Jesus <you>
0: know,
1: <laughs> I don't even know if I can get you know like when you sort of spin through something and I have done a, 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 you know a pass of it yesterday but like even then you know how ridiculous some of this stuff is anyway here we go and you know, first off the bus the Spaniard the equivalent of Osiris the Virus between you and I um, played by Javier Bardem nice. killed over a thousand men but never used a weapon then we've got Split Cheek Schizophrenic Genius, played by Gary Oldman. (laughs) Then we've got... I just had too much fun with the cast, chap. Then I've got uh, Choke, expert wrestler, who allegedly strangled the oxygen out of hundreds of victims. That's Michelle Rodriguez. (laughs) Then we've got The Bachelor, married five times, widower five times, and that wasn't a coincidence. Pedro Pascal. (laughs) Um, Then we've got Brick went rogue in Afghanistan, dishonorably discharged, has managed to punch through the wall of three prison cells with his bare hands, and that's our Dave (laughs) Batista. So the rogues, all with full evil side-eye and bands that would make Shane Black blush, are escorted (laughs) by guards, including one played by Gary Sinise into a huge (laughs) spaceship and clipped into place, their helmets on, basically ready for liftoff, Huge score, awesome shots, lots of lens flare. You get the bloody gist, Um, (laughs) Cheppy. And Cusack, uh, our man, Larkin Cusack, uh, says, no collusion, and Crow smiles. They're all from separate state facilities, mate. But just in case we need to keep them in line, we've got one final guest for them. And there's another bus driving the runway. This one is trebly fortified. The score goes hardcore. The bus stops. Three armed soldiers, one to cover the two that unbolt the two huge locks on the door, then two more security doors. Inside the van, another cage with no bars of visibility. They unlock this too. Pinned inside, score building, terror. Emma Watson, full Hannibal yeah. Lecter style. This is her equivalent <laughs> of the we reveal. <laughs> she is uh, slowly ushered out of the van using, you know, two-meter-long rods, exactly like the Buscemi thing, really, <laughs> and that poke into her shoulders and up into the space shuttle as well. By the way, quick side note, Sheps. I wonder if you do. I don't know. We'll find out. But I don't pick up the Buscemi thread at all. And I appreciate that is one thread that could be pulled and could be quite fun. Um, I just kind of like that he's out there being creepy in Vegas, right. you know, like, like we said. And um, I <laughs> did put that tea party scene you know but we've talked about that
0: anyway i will say i I do pull it but only about half a centimeter (laughs) (laughs) brilliant (laughs) (laughs)
1: um back to our emma watson hermione uh crows like angelica rash serving 15 life sentences for crimes of cannibalism so heinous they are strictly classified and sealed from even the president's eyes for fear of inducing trauma of course, when she enters the ship, everyone is terrified of her and can't believe the infamous Angela Carash is with them. Mm. Countdown, Bay, up at Bay esque, a bit unfair on Simon West, but you get the gist. Mm. Um, you know, big, big moment. Uber takeoff of the, the space shuttle, mega Roger Moore and Moonraker, cheek wobbles. <laughs> um, We get to space, we get the detachment of craft and, you know, bits and pieces. I don't really know all space travel things that need to happen, but they all happen. And they're all handled with masculine sound effects and maximum action movie uberness. In the orbit of Earth, and first phase is complete, Sinisa, the guard, starts to float around the rogues and starts unclipping the helmets and doing what he he needs to do as another two guards watch on, apart from Angelica, who's kept in her own compartment, obviously um the rugs all remain chained um and sinisi floats away and back to his his post oh bugger i put a little quip here yesterday and i forgot to put a quip there but there's imagine there's a funny quip here oh. like i said the dialogue that makes shame block black blush um oh. sinisi uh switches a button at this moment which we get the sense he shouldn't actually strictly be switching and then back at nasa sir, we've lost comms with the ship and crow suddenly furious just goes well, then, get the fucking comms to the fucking ship the fuck back. Kusak yeah. and Cam from Motor Family exchange a somber look. Sunisi <laughs> floats back to Bardem, um, and they exchange a nod, and Sunisi unclips Bardam's restraint. One of the other guards lets out a holy shit. Sinisi, because of course his name's not <laughs> Sinisi, Pilari. what did you do? And then pushes off the wall immediately into the guard that just challenged mm. Sinisi pins him to the wall of the craft and holds his nose until he suffocates. The third and only other guard to be in this hold of the ship with them draws his weapon, but Senisi seen him first, fires first, and the bullet does a weird matrixy style time oh. through the air into right. the guard's heart, out the other side, and into a box-looking adornment on the wall just by one of the ship windows. It's not a breach of the hull, but could well have been one. And them, gives Sunisi a little naughty, naughty finger before smiling creepily. And oh. in full, Skyfall accented, weirdly <laughs> calmness, just says, ''My friends, the bad news is your holiday to Mars has been cancelled, perhaps mm-hmm. postponed. It depends.'' If you trust us and want to follow us and help us, you will be free. And if you play nicely, you will receive proportionate compensation for your service. Otherwise, well, but um, is over with Sunisi now. The kind of you know pulls a semi little iPady tablet thing from Sunisi's suit and says, "My colleague here has access to each of your suits. You'll be aware your current attire is ready to compensate for the hostile atmosphere of Mars." But with such compensations activated outside of the planet, they would be quite devastating. We will be playing chicken with the world, but I guarantee they will blink first. Back at NASA, we've got calms back, sir, and crows, like get it up." And on the huge video screen at the HQ, we see by filling the screen now in the spaceship cockpit. couple of dead bodies there. the pilot's dead, you know, gone. He taps the com speaker and it echoes like, you know, a little sharp ting and then through the NASA room. And then he kind of looks into the camera and he sort of fish eyes and looks really weird <laughs> in this huge cinema screen in the NASA room. He just, and then he just smiles and says, uh, Houston, you have a big fucking problem. It no, I didn't revisit the credits of one, but I'm just going full Die Hard to smoosh, douche, douche, boosh, boosh, <laughs> like, you know, Con Air 2, you know. Um, massive, massive Wadonks, yeah. And then <laughs> and then from Massive Wadonks, we then fade into the twangs of Leanne Rhymes. How do I get through a night? You know, that, that terrible song at the end of the first one, or wonderful song, depending, depending on your perspective. And we of have... Course we have Nicolas cage cameron Poe, gray hair ponytail course that's what i really wanted iconically for this one washing glasses running a proper yellowstone style bar um and um as he's doing so a few regulars scattered around you know and of course pure lens flurry lovely similar sort of tone palette to the first movie here chefs um daughter comes from downstairs uh her stuff's in a box she's sort of she's sort of moving out you know getting getting the last of her stuff and uh and she gives it a that's the last of it daddy and uh po walks over and says what's this oh it's terrible accident. it doesn't matter i'm not even gonna really try to do my full po um <laughs> but uh, and he picks up a bunny the bunny that's been oh. smooshed into the side of the box and uh she just goes oh it's just it's just stuff for charity daddy and he goes, now I know you didn't mean to put bugs in here. But she goes, come on, dad. And anyway, as his uh, his wife comes into the bar and says, Honey, and he goes, What's that hummingbird? She goes, Are you <laughs> expecting company? And the chopper outside in full like in glory, um, lands at the front of the bar and Cusack gets out with Cam from Modern Family. And um <laughs> Paul just says, I wish we had time for pleasantry. I mean, I, I'm assuming this entire conversation happens sort of under the blades that the cup there in front of the yes. bar because and they I have assume... to shout.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I see Cusack's tie flipping and flapping around, <laughs> yes. and maybe he's wearing sunglasses.
1: Mm absolutely and they're
0: both like scrooched down a bit because yes yeah. they're under the plane yeah. <laughs> and that,
1: like... that wonderful great ponytail is flapping around in the breeze for po. Yes. Um, but, oh i wish we had time for pleasantries the spaniards taken over the space a spaceship above earth and has redirected it for paris coordinates that if they were to kamikaze into at a top velocity would set up a tsunami that could conservatively reduce the population by 2.3 billion They've nothing to live for. There's no bluff here, Poe. And the Spaniard's been in solitary for nearly 20 years. There's not been a shrink who can get to him. And they've tried the best, Poe. I hate to ask this, but you were his last cellmate. And you're our last hope. And Poe just says, So you're asking me to come to NASA and try and negotiate him down? And Kusak just shakes his head. Chopper's still going, I wish that were possible. There's been no communication in the last hour. They'll only respond to the wire transfer within three hours or... And Poe just goes, oh, like in this sort of weird, yeah. reflective, weird <laughs> acting thing that isn't really acting. And Kusak and just says, we have to send you up. And Poe just says ruefully, what are they asking for? And Cusack says, a dollar per head, 2.3 billion lives, 2.3 billion dollars. You don't have to do this, Poe. I can't compel you to do this. And Poe looks up at his wife, his daughter. They're standing in perfect sunset in the doorway to the bar. And Cusack just says, what are you going to do? And Cage, (laughs) the score swells and he just goes, what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to save the fucking world. Bah, 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 bah. And then we're back oh, to the so stream, many you know. trailer
0: moments.
1: <laughs> anyway, Poe gets... This is where it really starts to shake, if it has a bit of already, Shed. Um, Poe gets briefed as he's being strapped into the rocket ship. You know, you'll be at the
0: speed of this
1: velocity. Blah, blah, blah. Proper bayhem, like West Ham, whatever we want to call it, you know.
0: Um, <laughs> West M United. You
1: yeah, and he's sort of on his own with this i don't know there's all sorts of stuff anyway i haven't really given him a team wrap around him swat cats or anything you know i probably should with a bit next draft gets a team and all sorts of more thoughts mm-hmm. and the idea is like, you know you connect with the ship and um on this thing and blah 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 get get to the spaniard whatever you can do anyway and he does and all the beats you would expect um for Cameron Poe getting shot into the air um with full score and um all of the you know the the things you might expect uh to 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 happen with him getting onto that ship and having to look around and mooch about you know almost etc whatever all I'm going to give you now Sheps, are the dispatches by villain a bit some bits and pieces and the mad ending that I've come up with as mm-hmm. well. All right. So just get the you've got the vibes of this bloody ridiculous I'm beast anyway, God's right? I'm loving it um, so
0: much.
1: <laughs> so the Sinisi is the first to cark it. Um, and at the point that um our Spaniard Bardem is trusting everybody, he lets everyone out, including Emma Watson um Angela Koresh. And it looks like the gang is playing nice together broadly with the, the mission they've got um until uh, is needed for something. Bautista goes to try and find him within the ship, only to find senisi disemboweled. And oh. from what you said there as well, with Beskimi not really living up to his billing, oh. like Watson pure, like nice. literally looks up with a bloody mouth, cackling. <laughs> And then <laughs> runs into an escape pod, like and just curls <laughs> to earth,
0: and that is
1: the last we see of her at this point Fucking until another hell. little point in a bit. Um, but yeah, so that's a pure like she's like a little alien. We haven't even heard a speak, She's just amazing. like,
0: you know, yeah, that's a yeah, real right. nasty,
1: nasty little <laughs> moment from Hermione. And I'll, I'll give you this spoiler that she never says a word in the whole movie. It's pure Brilliant. freaky. Um, and then um, you know. Poe is on the ship, kind of, you know, McLean style, you know, keeping himself as hidden as he can, trying to pick off the roads to talk to the bottom spanning i mean the plot is loose at best right you know but i mean <laughs> larkin knew what he was doing sending poe up there anyway to to pick it up and pick it apart um so by the way quick aside crow is very skeptical about poe going up there you know classic mm. seems to be actually very concerned about the the billions worth of damages he's doing to nasa equipment as he goes but but over the movie he kind of comes around to poe you know that's kind of crow's little mini arc for two-thirds crow of the movie
0: to poe um, close to Poe, no go. (laughs) So sorry, but I had to say that.
1: Oh, I'm glad you did. Um... Brick uh, is the next to go. Brick and Poe have, uh, and Brickford memories. Batista, and um, they have a bruising tussle that really gives Poe the majority of his cuts and bruises for the rest of the flick. In in a compartment, and um, that's the equivalent of our kind of bunny in the box fight scene. And mm-hmm. um, it ends with Poe somehow temporarily opening a door to space holding on with all his muscles as brick is sucked out and then the door slams shut again and really because (laughs) i can see the the sadness in batusta's little draxy i'll kill you but i also have feelings face as he flows away into space with his skin going all flaky and nasty um the only other anti-gravity death is The Bachelor, whereby Pedro Pascal, who wears all five wedding rings on his wedding <laughs> finger as a nice Brilliant. touch, because he believes in he honestly loved all five of the wives he killed, mm. is gassed by Poe when he ends up on the wrong side of the door after a little skiffle. Um, not my most imaginative death, but I peek with the rings. So there <laughs> 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 you go, know. Um
0: Means he can the, never bend his finger again.
1: No, but I quite like that. I can I can feel like sure
0: claustrophobic. Cool.
1: <laughs> um the yeah it would be a really red little tip, wouldn't it? Oh actually I don't like that very much after all. But anyway. It's
0: um, really hot and cooks your finger like a sausage.
1: Um, the Spaniard by uh follows forms the closest alliance with Oldman's split cheek and with Rodriguez's choke. The plan nearly comes off, basically. The president, you know, who, of course, we see in pure, like, you know, agrees to wire the funds, safe in the knowledge. They'll pick these reprobates up the moment they land anyway.
0: Um, is the president played by someone? I
1: haven't or thought it, of that. Who do you think it, it should same,
0: be? I think it should be the same president from The Rock and Armageddon and by The Rock 2. <laughs>
1: Who, who marshaled those disasters so well, he gets to yeah. do extra terms. I like that, Shep. I'm
0: happy with that. I like to think it's all the same universe. Yeah, and you're right, like, this is 2016, but maybe he's even dead, in which case, I don't know, maybe it could be, I'm going to say um, Bill Pullman's son, but that's a bit. Shit.
1: That's nice. I I quite fancy a female press here, maybe, but hard hard-ass one, you know, like the one in 24 where who's also in Succession and stuff. I forget yes. that lady's name, but she's great. So no, she's in maybe... lots
0: of M. Night stuff as well. But no. Yes,
1: she is, and she? She's the, yeah. the sheriff that tells Mel. It's yes. With great gravitas. She's the poor wife.
0: man, Shaguni Weaver. <laughs>
1: um, so her, she's Prez. Good. Um and uh, yeah, but split cheek, our old man has added a nuance to the plan and in the genius mode that he's occupying at the moment, has advised um, the Spaniard Bardem that they could escape on the craft Pose used to join them, bring about the anarchy they want to and live in infamy on a Pacific island away from the danger and fallout of the tsunami they've caused. And Bardem can't believe how hardcore Oldman is, and frankly, neither can I, um, but agrees <laughs> to the plan with choke. <laughs> And uh, as hostage. So I'm sorry, and as hostage, so you can't let ground control know what's going on, Cameron Poe as well. So um, the four of them, which is just sorry to recap because I think I got a bit confusing there. We've got by them, we've got Oldman Split Cheek, and we've got um Choke Rodriguez and Cameron Poe is a bit of a hostage. Enter um Poe's craft, the main craft's coordinates set for max devastation in Paris. Um, the money is transferred. And as they're about to detach um, from the main craft in Pose 1, um, Oldman's split cheek starts to twitch, And in a really sort of brilliant piece of acting, but ridiculous kind of evocation of what it is to be schizophrenic, um, split oh. cheek's personality changes. Um, and Bardem, Spani, doesn't realise until it's too late. Oldman takes a wrench and shoves it straight into the side of Bardem's head, Bottom wow. dead. It's a mad twist. Wow. Like the virus, virus, the virus is just killed by one of the other guys. Um, and split cheek is positively salivating. And he looks at Poe and is a split from charging him. When an arm just shoots around his neck, lifts him off the ground and squeezes him, squeezes him until his eyes start to bulge. One orb pops out. Mm. Choke releases split cheek and he falls as well. Um And Poe and Choke consider one another a beat. And Poe just says, you're not after the money. And Choke says, fuck the money. Poe says, thank you. And Choke just says, go be a goddamn hero. And uh, and she's got that kind of Rodriguez energy of like she just wants to get the fuck out of there. And the score swells and Poe leaves her, returns to the main vessel inexplicably. Choke seems to know how to detach and fly those craft that he got there on.
0: Um,
1: (laughs) And Poe is at the console of the main um, ship, reopens the direct line back to NASA, lets them know the craft is set for collision despite the transfer that uh, President 24 Lady has arranged. Um, He explains that Choke managed to get away in his craft and Crow uh, just says, well, more fool her, it's a one way. He'll never make it through the atmosphere again. And there's this weird little solemn moment. You know how these movies come up with this sometimes? And it's like a boom, boom. Like You know, we're back in the cockpit with Choke, who actually looks super calm. She's descending towards the atmosphere and she thinks she's made her escape. Only things start to get super shaky and the ship just collapses in on itself at the atmosphere point and Choke's fucking dead. Oh, Um, no. I know, brood, depressing, poor old choke. And we have the the classic um, walk the civilian through how to change coordinates as the main craft is hurtling through the atmosphere for collision in Paris. Of course, it's futile. Of course, someone at NASA has leaked the story. And of course, the world is watching as Poe attempts to save the day, including especially his adult daughter, who's at home with the wife the daughter clutching the bunny as she watches on telly. Mm -hmm. Um, The only hope for humanity is Poe to be able to slow the craft down for minimal impact. There's no change in the coordinates. So we get, we're get we going to get our pretty ridiculous collateral damage scene. Um, and of course, we have US flags flying in Parisian cafes as Poe tries to bring the shuttle down in the seine um, after an emotional personal message to Larkin Cusack and the entire NASA control room to tell his hummingbird who always sang the Swedish song. After a hugely devastating crash, at which probably bazillions of poor Parisians perished, Poe emerges pet battered, heroically from the shell of the craft, barely able to walk. The core NASA team of Crow, Larkin and Cam from Modern Family have hyper to the scene in Paris and are there to thank Poe. And in this little moment, sort of gaggle where, you know, bits are falling and it's sort of, you know, it feels a bit like the denouement. Cam takes a call and then look, returns to Larkin and says confident, Cam, I should say, a Family Cam," and says confidentially, you know how you were wondering how that rogue agent Sinisi made it onto the ship but when the Spaniard got loose? Well, the vetting of him was compromised. And uh, it turns out he has an adopted brother on the inside as well. the <laughs> Border Family Cam shows a pic of this sort of almost family pic of, Crow with Seneci oh. fishing and Larkin's eyes bulge. and they kind <laughs> of meet and Crow's, and Crow kind of gets the <laughs> vibe and knows he's busted and legs it, followed <laughs> in pursuit by Larkin. And a suddenly inexplicably agile again, but still a bit weary Cameron Poe. Um, and the chase goes all along the street there, um, up the Eiffel Tower, view to a kill style lots of roger moore references here um and is a little disorienting you know as they're chasing up the scaffold um with crow uh, followed by larkin uh, followed then a little further behind by poe and of course mm-hmm. ends with a not another step poe and larkin is being held at close range you know arm around the neck head to head gunpoint by crow and crow gives it a it was only about the money i'd never have brought that shuttle down And uh, Poe just says, you need to be more careful who you work with. And in that moment, in the moment that Crow is about to lose it and shoot Larkin anyway, Larkin seizes the initiative, pulls out the biro that Crow gave him earlier, Mm. jams it into his leg. Crow staggers backwards, falls from the ledge, and then, pure kind of Zorin style, starts laughing as he can't grip and gives it a sort of. I can really imagine Crow cackling at this point, like with Jesus, and then, like, kind of weeping as well, and then just falls. Um, and then, you know, we get Leanne Rhymes because it's such an iconic theme tune, just comes back for the sequel ship, no. plays again as Poe po calls his family, and we pan out from the scene of the shuttle on the banks of the Seine into the credits. And then mid-credits thing, um, we get Emma Watson going for a job <laughs> at some marketing influencer hub where everybody is uber cool and chic and sure a Chavocado toast unbearable. And she's getting this tour of this very funky mm-hmm. office, you know, with a very insufferable person who's promising, yeah, we'll get you on the podcast, and we'll give you, it's gotta do mm-hmm. this, gotta do that, and be really annoying. And like, and then she just looks at everyone and ever and just says, Oh, look at you. I could just, I could just, ah, oh, I could just eat you up like that. And everyone just gives this very cute little dimpled smile, and then we just fade to the rest of the credits. Mm-hmm. So and
0: <laughs> <laughs> wonderful ah uh, um uh, well i want to watch that very much yeah that's it <laughs> uh what a plethora of wonderful characters as well um yes please yes uh, a thousand oh chefs, bless you well really wow. um oh. i i just I, honestly i can't wait to re-listen to that <laughs> oh well. bless you i'll say like
1: there's sometimes i'll write something like that right and i think I'd really love to wallow in it because there's some fun characters and that's right. But I actually feel like, yes, of course, always it'd be lovely for you and I to be paid to freaking do this job and have more time, right? You know, but, but actually on this one, I'm just happy. I'm just happy. I don't need to like, live with those right. guys anymore. There have been a couple where I'd love to live in the haunted hotel that we created for Chevy and Dan to occupy right. in that, that one. For There's a Squad lot to two, dig you know, into like, yeah. but, <laughs> yeah. but this one, nah, I'm Squad happy. Two, I've,
0: done... <laughs> I've done it before. Your Monster <laughs> Squad 2 needs to happen. <laughs> I take that as a 10-part series, season one, two, and three. Uh, amazing. But yes, no, you're right, though. In, in, in this case, it was... Um, the characters, though you you I can see them all. Well and you kind of start name...
1: thinking who needs to be on the plane, who who is who's got the look, you know, for Con Air yes. too. And it starts to do itself, doesn't it? But anyway, yeah. Sheppy, Shab- yeah. thank you, thank you. All lovely. I can't wait. Let's let's get to yours.
0: Let me say a a quick aside whilst I have a moment, because I should have mentioned it earlier. And I mentioned it to you, I think, on text, but I did a Nicolas Cage double bill recently. Uh, but it was interesting because it was a Nicolas Cage, Nicolas Holt double bill, because we did Renfield. And the next day we did The Weatherman. Uh, the Weatherman, I think, is 2005. It's Gore Vabinsky when he wasn't making pirate. Um, It's this nice kind of drama comedy. It's, co- it's, it's really good. I remember seeing the trailer for The Weatherman around 2005 and being like, that looks great. Then it never came out anywhere. And then about 2013 or 12, I saw it in a library on DVD. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, The Weatherman. So I watched it and I liked it very much. And then I managed to see it the other day. And I had the opportunity to do, uh, I, I was like, well, if I've got that. And it was all lined up in the magazine, as it were. And then it was like, we watched Renfield. So it, was like, well, it seems like the perfect opportunity. So I really recommend The Weatherman. It's, it's great genuinely love it and um in another world the weatherman was that year's american beauty uh, wow and also renfield was good clean fun did you see either of those neither and i'm really excited about
1: the weatherman chefs it's i'm just getting from the energy like a, um, it's just a wonderful record of that i mean, it feels like yeah.
0: be. yeah i'm um, a I'm real it. sucker for when people laughs and it's not corpsing and it doesn't even technically break character but i like it when people laugh in films and, and there's a nice thing with nicholas holt where he's a couple of years after maybe even you know a few years after he's a young teenager so i guess he was 10 or so and about a boy so that may be four years later um but there's a lovely bit with him and cage and cage kind of improvs so or does a little sort of Cageism and, and whilst they're eating some chips and it makes holt laugh and they just left it in, and it's really nice. nice. So I like that, and I like the idea of them years later than making Renfield, which is um good. You know, yeah, it's fun, nice, yeah, good. It's, it's a hokum, but um, <laughs> but but very enjoyable.
1: I've got to say, one of the things that makes me happy about Cage um is just because he's a resident of Bath, isn't he? Do you, do you know oh. that he's like a, he's a, a, and he does the Bath Christmas lights every year which I always find is the coolest. That's really nice. Oh, that's
0: nice. No, I don't think I knew that. (laughs) I
1: don't know if he does them every year, but certainly he is a regular fixture, like, you know, around that neck of the woods, so that's cute.
0: Nice. Um, Well, that's lovely. Oh, good old Cage. I I saw the colour out of space, um, which is amazing. It's a Lovecraft adaptation, and it's Cage, and it's nuts. It's not perfect, but... um, it seems like it's missing a few scenes or something i don't know things escalate suddenly really quickly right in the middle like way too fast after this very nice slow burn but anyway um it's great it's, it's nuts it's mental uh, so i recommend the color out of space as well as a crazy cage. but in the meantime Johnny, let's do it
1: i can't bloody wait I mean, I'm, I'm so interested because i wondered whether you might consider a space adventure as well because it is sort of a, I, lo- not the logical, but a logical step to go on a sequel to Conair, isn't it? To take it. I like get it. Level. And that's but, what you um... should do.
0: Yeah, it's like Airplane 2, the sequel. Um, yes, going to space is the next logical step, and I'm glad you did it. I'll say this, probably because I, I was inspired by your amazing irreverence to the source material and your Monster Squad too. Um I guess I was sort of inspired by that. So my very first thought about Conair was, well, I don't care about Conair, so I don't have that pressure so I can do something like silly and go off on one. And I haven't done that for a while. So oh, So this is 2002. Um, and I say that with all due respect of Conair, but it's like, you know, some some pitches that we do, you know, it's like I feel like, oh, this one better be, like, yeah, Back to the Future 4 or Indie. You know, like, well, this better not suck because this is a great opportunity to get into it. But, you know, Con Air is like, oh, okay. So um, so it's silly, just to warn you. Uh, this is called, it's 2002, it's Simon West. It's Con Air Con, starring <laughs> Nicholas Cage, John Malkovich, Ving Rhames, Danny Trejo, <laughs> Rachel Tickerton uh Cole Meany, i mean we haven't mentioned him at Who all was yet. Cole Meany? god oh, bless Cole Meany. um a memorable role in die hard 2 speaking of die hard with Kling, clang clong clack of course um you got your star trek next gen and deep space 9 um and and that's all lovely uh, you've got the the commitments and the van and other such adaptations so, Cole Meany, you got the time he was interviewed by Zig and Zag at the Cannes Film Festival for the Big Breakfast. Um, yeah, Cole Meany, what a life. And, of course, more recently, Gangs of London, he pops up as the patriarch. Um, nice. So, good old, Colm bloody Meany. He's also, of course, he had a great, uh, he's in Under Siege. He's He had, a, he had a, like a really random role in Far and Away. Like he was making Next Gen in the early nineties, going from basically a cameo to a substantial character, and at the same time, because he's not in every episode, he's just starring in massive Hollywood films. What well, a career!
1: Is, it's amazing. And do you reckon this is the moment he had the most juice in Hollywood, like Conair? Like you know, of course, Next Gen, but I, I'm just saying, movie wise, maybe like yeah. Well,
0: yes, yes. I mean, Next Gen, um, his you know was was one thing, but Deep Space Nine, he was like the Scotty. And he was mm. like a major character and stuff. So but again, Juice in Hollywood. If if there is such a thing for someone like Colmeaney, which there might not be, but I would say I think he's in Dick Tracy as well. I think. So I'm gonna say Dick Tracy, Die Hard Two, um, Under Siege, all of these are very uh, far and away, all of these are very early nineties. Um, and then you got Con Air in ninety seven when he was like riding the Chief O'Brien wave um and i'm sure he's in and again he's in the roddy doyle adaptations like the van and so forth mm, so nice. yeah like he had like triple career going on at the same time where's his book about his hollywood adventures him and patrick <laughs> stewart need to get it get their act sorted um, so anyway cole meanie's in this uh landry albright that's the daughter This film, by the way, was going to be 1999. I wanted it to be a clean two-year jobby, but I want the daughters to be a little bit older. So 2002, which works. Um, Monica Potter, there you are. That's her name, the wife. Bruce Campbell mm, Mm -hmm. with Rachel Lee Cook. Remember her? She's all that. She was in a bunch of Late night again. When I was thinking late 90s, 2002, it still works. So Rachel Lee Cook is is okay. Um, Hulk Hogan in 2002, if you can believe such a thing, which no one could. And Patrick Stewart. (laughs) So there's your next generation reunion. Amazing. Uh, amazing. Oh, and there is a cameo by Cusack um, as well. But yeah, just that. Nice. Now, I'll he he the, could the, deserve
1: the... to be the Al Powell in it, like, you know, that Die Hard Two Facts. Yes. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And he
0: kind absolutely. of is, in, in yeah, the, the facts. This He kind of is that in this. Yes, yeah, so exactly. There you go. Um, I'll give you the vague overall bit, and then I'll sort of start at the beginning of the plot and just sort of go through it in relatively chunky terms, you know, like, you know, not you know, fairly... Yeah, I'll get through it, I'll get through it. You yeah, know, it's like block one, block two, block three, pow, 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 yeah. So Cameron Poe has settled down to the quiet life, abstaining from any line of work that could put him on the front line or might need the use of his special kill skills. So he goes to great lengths, like David Banner, to avoid bars or road rage or any situation that can lead to violence and his causing accidental, quote unquote, nose into brain issues of the type that previously landed him in Chokey. Um, so it's a quieter life for him, his wife, Trisha, daughter, Casey, and their baby son, Del, named after Bubby, Bubba from the first film, uh, who's not in this film, by the way, fuck Bubba. Casey Poe, uh, who's now like, I'm gonna say 14 or 15, Is fascinated, probably she's probably like 13, is fascinated by Poe's past life and especially the events of the first film, but it is a forbidden subject at home, which fuels her thirst for knowledge all the more. (laughs) Poe works as a door to door air conditioning salesman. Uh, when he finds himself with a potential customer who shows even the slightest sign of hostility, Poe lifts his hat, he's got a little straw hat, in a hurried farewell and departs the doorstep with due haste. Uh, the aircon company is owned by previous law enforcement agent, now entre- uh, an entrepreneur businessman, Duncan Malloy, Cole Meany. And this uh, company is named Con Aircon. Meaning aircon sold by ex convicts, and it's got lots of slogans. But one of the ones you see on like a poster in the background, you know, you've got like a serious scene with Cole Meany bollocking someone, but behind him is like a poster of Cole Meany, like advertising the company with thumbs up and stuff, <laughs> a big really cheesy thing. And one of the slogans is, "With prices this criminal, we hire criminals." <laughs> um, meanwhile. In Las Vegas, the events of the last film have become legendary, and they are about to hold from the five-year anniversary of the air crash on the strip, the first ever Con Air Convention, reenacting the plane crash and events that occurred aboard the plane as described by surviving guards and convicts. You turn up for like you know signings and so forth uh, And obviously- that's
1: an amazing double pun on the con as well <laughs> oh my god jesus um,
0: obviously the tales of the events differ wildly depending on who's telling the story so with bubba maybe uh popping up for a cameo after all being like a sexy hero but like um and Malk is often you know uh, Cyrus the virus Malkatraz, is often like talked about being a simpering loon because you yeah, know he's not there to defend himself after by the way that naked gun style death that we didn't mention from the first Oh movie, yeah which is astonishing astonishing as uh, so good good stuff <laughs> um air marshal Sally Bishop a uh, Rachel Tickerton, uh is in this sort of narrative the sexy ass kicker or a sex crazed bimbo, or a thumpist lesbian, depending on whose story it is. Out of all these guests, out of these so called eyewitnesses, or like shady, like low who are there just cashing in, or some guard with a grudge, or whoever it is. So again, different versions of the truth, depending on who's signing and so forth. Uh, this air con um, con is pr- uh, proving a big splash with hype and interest higher than anyone would have guessed. And not just from fans. Um, so we have a pre-cred. And it's a high-tech super lab. Two technicians are discussing the approaching Con Air Con that's gearing up. They banter and lightly mock the event. Shane, How- uh, shane Black could easily like this. This is shane Black. Uh, likely mock the event even as we learn of one of the tech's kids is going to this event um, and the only reason the tech guy isn't able to go are the tickets are too hard to come by and his daughter won't accept a bribe Uh, but then infiltration and attack the place explodes as it's swarmed by a crack team of mercs who secure the area with deadly efficiency and the cowering techs look on as the smoke clears and we reveal the three people in charge as Hulk Hogan, Patrick Stewart and Rachel Lee Cook enter the room (laughs) and one scientist says, what is this? And the Hulkster punches him so hard it twists his head around a clean 180. And as the body drops, the Hulkster says, it's a blunt force, wake up call, son. (laughs) An elderly janitor across the room Reaches with shaky hand to the massive alarm button on the wall and Patrick and Rachel turn at the same time, draw their guns and fire. Patrick shoots him in the head, Rachel in the chest. Both bullets hit at the same moment and the dude falls face first into his mop bucket. And Patrick says, ironic that a man who lives to clean should make such a mess. And Rachel thinks a moment and then says, clean up aisle four and she titters and cackles. Uh, so we've both got demented young pretty girls in ours, at least. Uh, the, the three strong-arm the lead scientist who breaks out the hardware that they've come for. Um, and they are fitted out with state-of-the-art infiltration suits. kind of like Mission Impossible, um, but they've also sort of hit the common market. So these are like the, the ultra-hardcore prototypes, which have been used for like rubber masks and bodysuit type deal, uh, which the baddie trio now repurpose. So the images on the quote-unquote morphing screen shows not a world leader, for example, but familiar faces from the Conair incident. And a Hulkster says, geek wear never looked so good. And yeah. Rachel says, neither did the geeks. And she cackles and titters. Uh, the suits are loose and formless, sort of inflatable, and they, they're meant to sort of mold themselves to the wearer's shape. So when they're like in their loose form, they're like a cross between a deflated sex doll and a very baggy body bag, which uh, you sort of step into and zip it all the way up, so it totally encases you, uh, and you you put it on um over the top of you, and then it forms around you like a vacuum bag when you know, you suck out the air. When um, vacuum dry something, uh, Rachel puts on hers, including like the hood and rubber mask that fits over her head, and it molds and forms onto her features, arranging and the suit filling out, uh, lifting her up on her feet and filling her out elsewhere. After a moment, it finishes and she stands up. The face kind of molds and then reforms, and she's shrouded in this sort of liquid rubber and memory tech transforming her entire appearance, and she becomes Danny Trejo from the first film. <laughs> and so he, she, flexes a muscle and looks at it, and then grins at Patrick and Hulk, and says in her voice, Badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, the t- the other two so do the that. same. <laughs> um, the other two do the same. Patrick becomes Ving Rames, and the Hulkster becomes Malkovich. And they still talk in this scene, in the wearer's voices, as they collect the large box-like machine that creates these suits. And as they leave the lab past the remaining scientists and technicians who are cowering on the floor, uh, Patrick uh, slash Ving holds up a detonator and Cyrus the Virus um, slash Hulk says to his uh, colleagues in the Hulkster's voice, to imagine Malkovich, Malkovich saying this with Hulk Hogan's voice, okay, bozos, let's clear the air and Patrick Ving uh, clicks the detonator with his thumb and behind them, the lab explodes um, and engulfs everyone inside and the flash turns the screen white and we hold on this white screen for a long moment and then ding, ding, digging, ding, ding, digging and Sweet Home Alabama (laughs) kicks in and we have the titles and opening credits. Con Air Con, Um, during the titles proper, we meet Cameron Poe, and we see close-ups of Cameron Poe as he puts on his white vest, but then on top of that, sleeveless shirt, clip-on tie, assortment of pens and pocket protectors in his chest shirt pocket, then a hand putting pamphlets and catalogues into his briefcase, hand round the handle as it lifts that up, and we have a hero shot as he leaves his room all backlit wearing his geeky door-to-door salesmanship. And then we have our first proper close up reveal of Cameron Poe as like, you know, it's one of those shots where the front door opens and he's just like, you're the point of view of the person opening the door. And he's outside as the salesman, pure cage with his sort of cage, amiable face. Um, <laughs> and it's, so it reveals Poe door to door smiling charmingly at the house owner and he starts his sales pitch. We don't hear it because it's still Sweet Home Alabama with the credits. But we see door after door open on his positive and hopeful face, and then more often than not, slam shut on his dejected one. Uh, we see him travelling the like upper northwest of America, house to house, office to office, presenting himself pure cage style, trying to sell these air conditioners. Um, the credits continue. Uh, we see Shelly, some. Can I sales... make a
1: quick point. I feel like uh, cages. <laughs> Lips, it's my favourite. Cage's lips, Conair. I just want to say his his little pouty (laughs) lips are their poutiest in Conair, and I'm just seeing them looking a little bit lower lip. Permission for lower lip to wobble, sir, as these doors are slammed (laughs) in poor Oppo's face. Yeah, absolutely. Hold on.
0: Well, that's that's wonderful. Yes, and the wide eyes. Yes, damn it. Um, so um, it all continues. We see some sales, um, because you know, pose a listener, and people feel they can trust him and they feel safe with him. So he's not a bad salesman. Uh, we also see a lot of humorous failures, like a slutty and bored housewife making the moves when her hairy husband comes home, and Cage is all apologetic and stumbly as he tries to leave, tripping over his briefcase and knocking over a vase with impressive Buster Keaton energy. And another, we see a vicious looking poodle snapping at him from his like vacant owner's grasp as Poe is like trying to show off the merchandise catalogue and the poodle is baring its teeth and yipping and snapping, all the while being sort of moddy coddled by the Dolly Parton sort of owner. Uh, It's a real, just a little bit... Another few shots uh, show the hardships of his profession, eating a lonely and soggy sandwich in his leaking car during a midwestern downpour or struggling to lift an awkward and heavy aircon unit from the back of his car only for the packaging to tear and spill the machine onto the tarmac and finally, we see him being jeered at by some teens as he waits at the traffic lights in his rust bucket and they lean opposite, you know, next to him from Daddy's Convertible to throw fast food wrappers into his open window oh. before hooting and speeding away, leaving him covered in milkshake with, you know, like the straw lid you know, stuck to his temple, <laughs> staring into the middle distance as directed by Simon West comes up over this image. And so it's there's the end credits. And I'm just going to grab some water for a second. Amazing. I'm going to warn you now, um, I can't do Nicolas Cage's Cameron Poe voice. I can barely do And so I'm not going to, no, I can't. (laughs) No, I haven't done it yet. And I'm not (laughs) going to. So no, but I'm going to do my own weird voice. And you just have to imagine that I don't think I can do a, a a southern Nicolas Cage.
1: I think a new low was me doing a creepy little off Spanish accent for Javier Bardem, Sheppi, to be honest. Oh, that I don't was really good. Know. <laughs> Well, I don't know about that. would be very kind. I don't well, know about I that. Well,
0: I remind you that in the 40 Towers pod, my Manuel <laughs> son- sounds Chinese. So I wouldn't worry <laughs> too much about it if I were there. Um But all right. So credits end. And we have some establishing moments as uh, Con Air Con. Is being set up, uh, or really, yeah, Con Air Con is being set up in Vegas, and we meet various players, uh, guests, and attendees. It's oh, it's the five-year anniversary of the event as well, so it's like this whole big deal, and it's the first proper Con and all this much fanfare. Guests and attendees can pay to either be a guard or a convict, enter a simulator, and play out outlandish versions of the film's events. It's like better than life in Red Dwarf. Uh, Tickets to play the Marietta Mangala, Garland Green are the hardest to come by. Green being a firm fan favorite. And again, the the tagline by the advertising is everyone's favorite cannibal pedophile while stock lasts. Um, There's also cosplay, lots of cosplay. Uh, panels, Q&A, the chance to meet and have photos taken with some of the people involved, including like witnesses, victims, guards, convicts, and many other attractions over this three-day event uh, which is happening in this brand new hotel. Uh, Don Davis. Uh, you know Don Davis? Uh, he's a Fresno man from the first film who gets the uh, the body lands on his car. Yes. But Don Davis, he's also the general in... Um, Twin Peaks and he's Dana Scully's dad in X-Files yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's Love another star in stargate um, and he's in lots of things and he's great and he's dead but um, R.A.P he's wicked so anyway here he is returning uh, as well uh, in, a, in a nice sort of nice cameo uh, Don Davis as being part of the guests for you know, being part of this event um, and of course he's adding his role and so on uh, so Don Davis's Fresno Man in Car is what he's credited as on IMDb. And he's there and he's treated like royalty and he's <laughs> making the most of the complimentary all you can eat shrimp buffet in a <laughs> staggering <laughs> self-indulgent display. Uh, so that's good. Uh, I see it like Procter and Police Academy. I love men who eat shrimp that way. <laughs> um, the convention is being held in a newly opened mega hotel with the convention room on um, the two, two top floors uh, with extra attractions on the roof itself including a mock-up plane from the first film as the con builds up, guests and VIPs arrive on the strip and the media descends, uh, we see the owner of the hotel and casino where this is all happening Morty Membelstein uh, Peter Stormare Um and it's his brainchild the entire convention. He's sleazy and nasty to his staff and the guests and his players, the players at the casino, he's cheating, and the fans at the convention, he sneers at with derision. And he's a slimeball with a toothpick. Uh, also <laughs> introduces Bruce Campbell, who's like this daredevil motorbike performer, like an evil Knievel Elvis, of course, um, who's planning a stunt spectacular on the main strip, and doesn't want the limelight stolen by this pesky, geeky convention. And this is sort of like set up and keeps going back to it. We're reminded of it often. Uh, these geeks are pouring in. We see most fans are dressed as their heroes from the film. And some of the you know, cosplay outfits is always a, a quite good. Some are excellent. Some are terrible. Um, and, but in amongst all of this madness and the building hysteria, It's the real Sally Bishop, that's Rachel Tickerton, one of the guards, the US Marshals from the first film. And we see her, she's downstairs and she's been hired as head of security for the con uh, as this was the only way Morty Stormare would get her there. Uh, And he wants her there because she's a big deal But she doesn't want to be there to like, you know, she thinks the whole thing is a terrible idea. Uh, She needs the money, however, and she's been blacklisted from the security and law enforcement stuff after her perceived failure on the flight and the media kind of turned against her. So now she is forced to work despite, despite being bitterly against the con in the first place. But she's going to try and shine a light on the whole thing to stop this sensationalist insult to the horror and to the memories of the dead. Meanwhile, she's trying not to be stressed by her own fanboys and fangirls who want to be close to her while she's trying to set up all the security barriers and stuff so that they can, like, get their, they could ace their own Sally costumes for the Big Buck uh, competitions and so forth. Um, and, you know, she's probably got someone like a young lackey. Who she's like bantering with and bossing around as well. Who's like, "Oh, you're 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 actually enjoying this, aren't you?" And she's like, "Get out of here." That sort of <laughs> witty stuff. Um, out watching the build-up to the event from the sidelines is a figure, and we find out that this is the real Garland Green of uh, Steve Buscemi. Now a sold-out lounge singer act in Vegas, going by the <laughs> stage name of Peter the Eater. Who is checking it out from a distance, the whole setup with mild passing curiosity? Um, me and it's in the same hotel where he's hired. Meanwhile, Poe is summoned to his boss's office, um, which is like in the middle of Dust Bowl nowhere. And here we meet Cole Meany as Duncan Malloy, uh, with sales figures flagging due to his reluctance to be aggressive with his sales approach. And his aversion to conflict and refusal to play up to his mini-celebrity, Poe is a third strike away from unemployment, and Malloy is at the end of his rope. With this in mind, he orders Poe to attend the convention. Malloy, of course, wants to make use of Poe's celebrity to take advantage of all of that, uh, and also it's air conditioning, says Malloy. It's Vegas. <laughs> The only thing they need more than suckers is cold air to keep them there. Uh, you know, it'll sell like hotcakes if hotcakes were cold. Cold cakes. Uh, Malloy's pride and joy. We also learn is the new DHZ 73 model, an air-condition unit to end all others. And this is the pride and joy, and he, and he orders Cameron to take that to the uh, to the con as well to sell it in all the hotels and casinos. Malloy is like. You know what newborn babies and smiling puppies have in common? And Poe shakes his head like, no, politely. And he said, Molloy's, they're over. And Poe like jumps back a little bit. They're done. No one cares anymore. The DHZ-73, this is the future. You want (laughs) to sell it strong. You want to sell it hard, Poe says. And here I am, having not even bought it a drink yet. Uh, so Poe <laughs> must agree to attend, but will keep a low profile as he tries to shift his units of merch. And Poe is like, now all I've got to do is tell the missus. And so now we see his home life after his hard days flogging and hustling. Uh, wife, daughter, and baby is all idyllic and lovely. But Casey, who you know uh, is like let's say thirteen, wants to know more about the dad's adventures. And of course, he's trying to keep a you know, a low profile on it and stuff. But then he finds, like, you know, she's got, like, a T-shirt of the event with dates on it or some leaflet or something. So he sits her down, you know, pure cage in in the bedroom, in her bedroom, and explains patiently to Casey that this national obsession with his sordid past is only going to last so long before people forget and move on to the next big thing. And he says, you know, again, pure cage, you see, Cass, What's cool in the moment is cool and all, but it's the substantial things you've got to work on, invest in, and embrace. Family, friends, making yourself the best, best version of you. All this, holds up the flyers and posters and so forth, is nothing but dust in a hurricane. It may get in your eyes, a spell, but it'll be blown away and forgotten before the wind dies down. You understand what I'm trying to say, in case you, like, nod solemnly. And he's like, you know, he gets up and kisses her at the top of her head and leaves the room. And as soon as he closes the door, Casey like digs out a big battered suitcase from under her bed and <laughs> flops it on the bed. And it's filled with other loads and loads of merch. And uh, and on top of it all, we see uh, all the merch for like, you know, Con Air Con coming soon and all this. And on top of it all, we see a ticket for the con uh, just as she closes the case. So now we see the event at Vegas really kicking off, arrival of the fans, the hordes, the and the infiltrators blending in perfectly in their top-notch disguises. And it's the three we've seen, but it's also like other, you know, people, you know, really good cosplay, so they can get into all the VIP sections, because that's how it works in this universe. You have if you have amazing at cosplay outfits, it gets you everywhere you need to get to in the con without even paying. The VIP passes. So they've got all access. um, And we see, like, and there's like, you know, 10 of the goon squad, led, of course, by Malcatraz, who's acting like Hulk Hogan. So hopefully he's (laughs) having a good time. And that was enough to lure him back, that and the money. Uh, So Sally Bishop, Rachel Tickerton, um, says it's a bad idea having all these freaks under one roof, especially freaks who worship bigger freaks. And then she sees like a bunch of girls dressed as her um, in her Conair playland like, little girls in the Conair uh, guard uniform, and she says, "Well, that's okay though." Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, um, it's revealed that the casino. St- oh no! And now it's probably the, um, the Casino Star Act is uh, Garland Green, the Marietta Mangler, uh, <laughs> but he's having a well of a time and he's mingling around, just like really kind sort of like Zod. Superman 2 when he goes to that cafe
1: yeah
0: and he's like he's not trying to beat anyone up he's just like fascinated by this weird alien what is this Looking up the menu uh, he's like that he's just wandering around this convention <laughs> he's just like very bemused his uh his griff is gear. Yeah. so yes garland green oh during the con build up and so on it also gives us a chance to see other in jokes and easter eggs um so Ving Rames slash Patrick Stewart does a double take as he passes a geek wearing a Captain Picard mask. Uh Brendan Fraser cameos this himself in George of the Jungle get up at the con. Um, maybe it could be the mummy at this point. Uh, that would make more sense. <laughs> Sorry about the problem. There's a cameo now or thereabouts from Cusack as well on the phone to in. So he literally phones it in, saying the con is a mistake, bad taste, blah, blah, blah. Uh, It also immediately comes out, though, that he's humorously irked that no one is selling, let alone buying any Vince Larkin T-shirts, coffee (laughs) mugs. And he's like, not even a frisbee, Uh, but no one knows (laughs) who he (laughs) is. No one remembers him. And um, and he's miffed (laughs) about it. Uh, but now at the con, Poe arrives, you know, really trying to keep a low profile, really awkward, darty, shifty, baseball collar turned up, just people dreading. He's like, you know, no one can know it's me. And he turns around and there's like a massive poster of like just his face, like, you know, covering half a skyscraper. Uh, the, the whole Bellagio is like his face, you know, when it forms <laughs> in the right way. And he's like, oh, low profile, got it um but um but but actually it it works against him because incognito the shitty guards are shitty to him and make cracks about his shitty and humiliating company car beaten up with the other slogan on the side air con units sold by convicts only with units this reliable we can afford to send you salesmen who aren't Uh, so (laughs) he's having a hard time um, so Poe tries to uh, make some sale, especially the coveted DHZ 73. He's trying to keep low profile, not be noticed. Uh, lots of fans of all ages, genders, shapes, and sizes are dressed as him. Uh, a noticeable one is an ancient Chinese man uh, dressed in vest, mullet, stubble, etc., despite his old and withered frame, who keeps saying, Bunny and box, bunny and box, to everyone he meets. As he moves from one sales pitch to the next, in a die harder moment, there's another one. Uh, there's a bit where on the con floor, swimming with fans, Poe bumps into the Hulkster in his Cyrus uh, getup, and they and they sort of you know have this sort of little connection before things get uh, kick off, and Poe like you know looks at basically John Malkovich and is like, "Wow, that's horrible," and the Hulkster, <laughs> as Malkovich says, "Right back at you, brother." And this little connection, you know, leads you know, to a nice little thinking nice. later. That's
1: nice. It's sort of making uh, me feel a bit like face about Star Galactica at the beginning of yes. A-Team as well.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, a million times. Uh, so that's good stuff. This little, uh, yeah, so, so now Poe clocks Casey and her friends who have, of course, come to the thing. And he's like, I don't believe it. So he rushes over to Casey, who's there with her friends, and he embarrasses her, you know, grabbing her wrist and taking her away, protective dad style. Uh, and in the process of uh, ejecting her from the con, um, when you know, where during all of this time the baddies have all been taking their positions, and now with a bang, the convention is attacked. Just as uh, Poe and Casey are about to leave, it all gets swarmed, uh, and the convention center is sealed off as the attack goes down. Uh, at some point, by the way, I bet Poe will have a chance to escape, but he can't because Casey is still in the convention floor. So Poe goes to work using his clip-on tie, the pocket protector, and so forth to dispatch some baddies. He okay. also throws one guy from a window and says, huh, I thought these things didn't open in Vegas. And another, <laughs> like he fights on top of one of those glass lifts really high up on, with a guy they're having a fist fight. And it reaches the top, and it's going to squash him. So Poe like shoots down and jumps through the glass, you know, of the roof as the baddie on top is squished. Um, <laughs> um, there's hijinks with Poe at one point, taking off his shirt, messing up his hair, and still no one takes him seriously. And now he wants people to know that he's the real Cameron Poe. Uh, but now no one's, you know, like you know, some stoner <laughs> type is like worst costume ever, man. Um, so that's <laughs> exasperating for him. Now, nearing the end of Act Two, on uh, one of the higher floors of the hotel casino, Poe has a showdown with Johnny 23. That's Danny Trejo, who, of course, is Rachel Lee Cook, who, by the way, has already executed most of the organizers of the convention after they, in turn, were thrown under the bus by their boss, Peter Stormare, and all done in the manner, of, you know, she's done all manner of nasty things. So, and she also has treyo strength, and so she confronts Poe, and she's mopping the floor with him. Who and just about just as Treo is about to deal a fatal blow to Poe, uh, Poe lands a desperate punch uh, at the valve on the suit that operates the camouflage suit, and it makes it go haywire, and then uh, the suit then contracts. Tightens and shrinks into itself, uh, and inside, with a short scream and then crunching and squelching, uh, the suit just like goes very small. And Rachel Lee Cook is turned into jam as oh. the suit ends up the size of a doll. Um, She's
1: all splat. Maybe. Jeffy. Oh
0: my god, man, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, and if it made sense for the character to say that. Uh, i would I would do it <laughs> that's that's amazing um, so there you go um, oh by the way, as Poe now stares at this horrendous doll, um two gun wielding goons get the drop on this bloody Poe, and they're just about to shoot him when the doll can't contain the compressed mass which has been forced inside it any longer, and it explodes well. Poe probably kicks it at them, it slides over between them, it explodes, and so the insanely compressed innards burst out in the gory explosion, covering the two gun-wielding baddies, and the blast is such that um, from the shrunken Danny Trejo suit, it throws them back, flying across the room, and why not, out of the very high window of the top of the hotel, and they're still covered in the cure guts, so they make a kind of a stream pattern in the air as they begin to plummet. And Poe says, goes to show, even inside the worst of villains, there's always something better waiting to burst out. Below, hmm. we now cut to the street, and surrounded by adoring fans and loving it is Don Davis's Fresno Man returning for a second cameo And as he goes full chevy dad cool in front of a load of young buxom blonde swooners, he reaches out to sign one of their breasts saying, and is that hyacinth with one Z or two? When suddenly the two dead gut splattered bodies zoom down on either side of him, landing with a wet splash. (laughs) Uh, The two groupies are hit by more spray as these two corpses explode on impact groupies scream and run off. Fresno like stares at all of this for a second, and he's covered in a bit of spray of gut. And then he looks up and high above he sees the shattered window and Poe sticking his head out. And Fresno nods and says, figures. Uh, so then Poe kills many other nasties in cool ways. Also he's been trying very hard to survive the explosions and so forth, the running, the jumping, all while protecting Colmeni's love the DHZ seventy three aircon unit, which is getting battered around as he keeps trying to save it from bullets and so forth. One nasty villain clocks that Poe's been protecting this big box, which I see is like being carried around in like a sort of a leather, a leather sort of strap satchel thing, um, hover, and he clock, and he clocks that Poe's been protecting the box at all cost, and so now he gets sort of co- is no- Poe is knocked out of the way. And the, the nasty villain opens it and he says, what the shit is this? And Poe says, put the DH slash Z 73 back in the box. <laughs> and, and the guy is like, what? And he lets go of the unit, <laughs> dropping it heavily on the floor with a crunch. And Poe, for the first time, really loses his temper, perhaps for the only time in the entire film. And he beats the man to death in an orgy of bloody fists and pulped skull. And he stands over the remains of the decimated body, blood dripping from his fists, and Poe pants. Why couldn't you have put the DH slash Z slash 73 back in the box? (laughs) (laughs) So there you are. More than (laughs) once in all this, Poe is helped by an apparent fan dressed in their own high-tech suit. So the wearer looks exactly like Poe from the first film, replete with white vests, long hair and stubble, played of course by Cage. Uh, At the start of the third act now, this faux Poe helps save the day, causing a distraction and rescuing the real Poe from death. This Poe is tougher, faster, cooler than even the real Poe, and saves the day and Poe's life more than once as we speed to the climax. With the writing on the wall that the plan has failed, and I don't even know what the fucking plan is. I guess to infiltrate the con, get into the casino, and steal loads of shit, I guess, was the plan. Uh, But it's all gone haywire. Um, And so knowing that the plan has failed, Ving Rhames, Patrick Stewart, sneaks out of the convention hall and away into the crowd, as the cops, you know, rush past him, he deflates the suit, stepping out of it as Patrick Stewart, you know, straightening his tie, and he smiles smugly at the cops as they race away, and he turns to leave, and as Stewart starts to blend away into the crowd, he passes a relaxed-looking garland green, who's in a Hawaiian shirt, straw hat, and drinking a fruity cocktail through a bendy (laughs) straw, and he watches Patrick move off through the casino lobby and then casually leaves his seat and follows him lector style. So basically <laughs> Steve Buscemi catches up with and eats Patrick Stewart. So that's good <laughs> stuff. <laughs> he's actually you know, been more in
1: it, you teased me there Shami, he's more in it than, you, than I thought he would be. That's
0: great. Nice. Well, thank you. The, the climax then, the con has a mock-up life-size plane. Um, which is also stolen and it smashes out of the building to roll through the main lobby of the plush hotel, decimating everything, all the slot machines and and the whole... Big, you know, casino is just like smashed through as this plane has amazing momentum considering. Um, and it destroys the remains of the convention hall. Then, out through the casino, the entire downstairs of Stormo's hotel is destroyed. Then, smashing out into the street, and Stormair is watching the carnage with ghoul. Then, fires a blackjack girl and snatches a suitcase of stolen casino money from the vault room, you know, with proper banknotes half sticking out of the case. Classic. (laughs) uh the casino the hotel casino and and the convention were all shady in the extreme and now all will come out about the cut corners and so forth and Stormer will be arrested so he grabs the cash and flees in the plane meanwhile which is tearing along the main strip in Vegas Poe and Malkovich uh, have a Hulk Hogan have a big fight and he's got Hogan's strength even within cyrus's body so he's smashing uh poe around the the inside of the plane a bit which is all made of like you know balsa wood and it's really flimsy anyway because it's a prop even though it's going really fast down the street it's just like you know really coming apart it's like like paper papier maché and shit um um, and it's like so we go through there it destroys everything um (laughs) um so they find it's very <laughs> good. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I am sort of, no, no, sorry. So poet and uh, fight um in the back of the mock-up plane and slides and smashes its way down the central strip through the traffic and any blockades. It's heading right for the uh, the fountains again. Oh, and there's a big lake as well, <clears throat> which has all been set up for, remember, the Bruce Campbell Evil Can Evil Elvis oh, spectacular yeah, yeah. motorcycle thing. Um <laughs> For their stunt show. Uh, So the plane speeds towards um, all of this and heading towards the big nice uh, Bellagio fountains and all of that. When the back of the plane opens, you know, the flap comes down pure living daylight style, and Malk and Poe burst out on motorbikes just as the plane crashes and, you know, bursts into papery flame, I suppose. Uh, But so now we're back on bikes in Vegas, tearing it up through the hotels in and around and on and through many Vegas landmarks and attractions. And then uh, Malcatraz has a gun because he snatches it from the holster of a cop as he goes past. Why not? And he shoots and, um, you know, Poe's bike is going to catch on fire. So Poe j- jumps, Return of the Jedi-styling, from his bike onto the back of Malkovich's bike. So, like, Poe is now hanging onto the back of him uh, like a girlfriend. So they end up busting through the barrier of Bruce Campbell's Elvis Daredevil show. And we've been told repeatedly that the huge spectacle will have Campbell's Elvis jumping through three flaming rings over a row of cars, then buses, then helicopters, which are rising up in in order, um, leaping then from the bike, leaping from the bike as it lands in the Lake of Petrol, which will then explode. And then the parachute rider, Elvis Campbell, will, um, will go through the Wall of Flames to land on the adjacent platform. And now Campbell waves and shouts angrily as, he, as the intruding bikes smash into his waiting area through the barrier as Poe reaches around Malkovich to grab hold of the, you know, the steering of the bike, which is and steers the bike straight for the main ramp where all the crowds are gathered. And Campbell's like, what are you doing? Wait, wait, this is my stunt. Uh, Malkovich uses his elbows in the back of his head to attack and hurt Poe, but Poe hangs on. Uh, Hulkster Malkovich tries to jump off, but Poe reaches past him and guns the throttle, opening it up and hitting the ramp at top speed. And as they take off, Poe whispers into Malkovich's ear, if you can't stand the heat, get out of Vegas. And then he pulls his (laughs) own parachute, which he had taken from the plane. Poe's parachute opens as they fly through the air and he flies off the back of the bike. The bike then shoots through the flaming rings and Malkovich pulls off his Malkovich face because he's covered in petrol. And so now it's basically Malkovich's body, but he's got the Hulkster's head covered in petrol from the bike chase and it's ign- jumping through uh, the flaming rings. So he now bursts into flames. And We see Hulk sir, as a human candle on the motorbike going through the air still, ah, ablaze. He flies through the rings and over the cars. The bike is on fire now, and he pulls his own chute, flying off the bike as the bike explodes. The bike's remains now sail down through the sky, arcing down, down, down towards the street and the crowd below the crowd scatter as the flaming debris of the motorbike fall down except one man who doesn't move looking up until it's too late and it's peter stormer who sees it coming and <laughs> gives a semi-resigned ah before the flaming plummeting bike lands on top of him squashing him oh, like a bug meanwhile uh, the PS. Yes. Um, The Hulkster flies forward, still on fire, as a helicopter rises up in front of him and it chops off his legs. The chute now detaches because the straps are on fire and legless, still on fire, the upper torso of the Hulkster flies through the air and then down as he's like, ah, into the lake of gas, which was meant to be for the grand finale. And as this human flaming cannibal hits the lake, he's like, ah, like a meteor and the entire (laughs) lake explodes um Ho meanwhile with his open chute sails over all of this as he calmly descends down below Tickerton who's been doing shit during all of this rushes over to the lakeside as Po drifts down and then he kind of coolly detaches his own chute and just sort of walks coolly as it flips away Uh, Tickerton rushes over um and also then you know let me through I'm his wife let me through Go ahead, let her through, or whatever. It's Trisha who races over, who's raced to the event as she as soon as she heard things had kicked off, mm-hmm. and she's there, and she's like, "Oh, I came as soon as I heard and stuff." Um, so they move to the other, um, they move to each other now. Poe and and Trisha, and he's like, "Honey," um, and they're about to kiss. Uh, and you're in each other's arms and their lips are almost there when behind and between them, the remains of the Hulkster smashes up from the Flaming Lake, screaming, a gun aloft. Ah! And he's firing the gun in the air and he's sort of wildly looking around as Ho grabs his wife and they duck down. Then Ticketin, Al Powell style, just takes out a gun and shoots uh, Flaming Hulkster once in the head and his head explodes, and the body slowly falls back and sinks down into the flaming lake, and it's gone. And so now Poe and Trisha move in again for that kiss, but now Poe is cock-blocked again, this time by Poe. Things get confusing (laughs) when that other Cameron Poe in the Poe suit turn up, and real Cameron Poe says, I never thanked you for saving my life. And Fopo says, Pope. You can make it up. <laughs> come back through that. <laughs> Sorry, <Samuel. laughs> He says, You can make it up to me by finally buying me that puppy. And Poe and Trisha are like, huh? And then Fopo unzips the suit and the wearer steps out as it deflates, revealing her to be the daughter. It's Casey. Hey, nice. And the family is reunited and happy. Uh, then uh, cars car like, beep, 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 and the crowd parts and it's Cole Meany. And he turns up and he smells spinoff merch and he's delighted that the DHZ73 unit seems alive and in good condition and Poe still has <laughs> it with him. And he goes, well done, Poe, good man. And he grabs, how is my baby? How is my great baby? And, and Cole Meany opens the case and all this loose shit of random pipes and wires fall out. And Meanie pauses looking at the pile on the floor and then at Poe's extended fam, and then back down and he says, Shit. Ticketon is heralded as, as a hero by the nation. Uh, as the media swarm around a shy Ticketon and a beaming Meanie, the, uh, the Poes, linked and happy, walk away. And as they go, we hear Cameron Poe say, Uh, honey, it's probably nothing at all, but where's our baby? And end credits kick in and that's the end and the tagline is randomly but kind of con air air con related too hot to cool off
1: oh perfect,
0: <laughs> so, perfect so random random stuff my son random stuff
1: no it was wonderful and it peaked with faux but you know as it should <laughs> yeah. in finale like that fucking hell sheps that was great that was good
0: fun. That was, that was a hoot. That, lovely. Well, thank you for setting it, man. I, I think, think it's, it's a great, great idea. Like, God, Vegas.
1: For. Vegas will never be the same again, will it, after that kind of trauma twice? Jesus. <laughs> it's something yes, really... Yes. I think you tapped into something there around the iconography of it. it it's, does it like, it's for Halloween or whatever in America, like, it's a pretty easy get. You'll know it's Nicolas Cage. You put the long wig on and the vest, and you're there, right, done. Mm-hmm and you're like oh yeah nice you've gone out whatever but there's also like, i'll say this like john malkovich looks like john malkovich with the head right but put the sort of beigey prison garb on him or the orange you know mm. gear and suddenly yeah. he is cyrus the virus quite an iconic part for him too to be honest like yeah it's just like you know it, it's just interesting like get a lot right in the costume design and the whole vibe of the thing it's you don't need much of a still to go, that's fucking Conair. Right, do you know what I mean? So credit to him, right? For that. It's nice. So
0: Yes. Um, yes, no definitely. So. And he is. He's really good in it. Despite yeah. having a horrible time making it, um, he earned his <laughs> money.
1: And uh, and I just yeah. I wanted to make one other thing as well. Like I feel like um Nicolas Cage is sort of um when when they talk about all the different prisoners and stuff, then it's like, Cameron Poe, hitching should ride home. And the way he's sniffing the air of freedom, like, <laughs> outside the plane is so extraordinarily ridiculous. It's kind of, I mean, I don't think Shawshank is extraordinarily ridiculous, but if you think of, like, you know, Innocent in a bit of commas, men done wrong, or whatever you know, and like you know, Andy Dufresne with in the rain, or whatever, and then Cameron Poe sniffing the air is kind of like these sort of huge 90s moments of freedom, or whatever that even smells like, you know. Um, so I really wanted to just make yes. that point too, which is nice, but um, uh, yeah, man, but listen, what a pitch that was that was a bloody hoot, chefs. A bloody hoot, thank you, old bean, thank you, thank you for Con well, aircon, and a, qu- you, probably man. a quadruple pun when we re listen to it, but yeah.
0: Um, con air con and con air con uh yeah it's yeah, all of the yeah. emphasis it's, it's amazing yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> thank, thank you um it was it was nice writing for cole Meany, honestly uh that was yeah. oh,
1: amazing i love um, how attached he was to the dh whenever was called amazing, amazing. <laughs> um so, yes. Sheps, there's an order of business, young man. There yes. is an order of business. Well, there's
0: a double now, just for the the, the listener and, and and ourselves. So, I asked you before, because we have a double pitch, basically, situation where we've got one more episode, basically, of our Prisoner Experiment series, in which we will discuss our own pitches and also what we think the end might be. And then, of course, we'll record the second half after we've watched the, the finale and talk about that and it'll be like one nice big thing. So there's that which was on the horizon and I asked you should that count as the pitches because I knew it was going to be my pitch next but you said um no let's keep it all the prisoner experiment is one thing and this is like you said as well a sort of a proper episode of the pod and so with that in mind we probably won't get to it immediately because we've got the the uh, the prisoner to do but this Jimmy is actually uh, a pitch I was going to suggest. I was it was one hundred percent lined up, um, and then you set Indiana Jones, and so I I changed my plan accordingly. So I've had this all lined up, ready for the right moment since then. This film, Jimmy, is E.T.
1: Holy moly! Right? Wow.
0: Okay. So okay. let's E.T. two. E2J D uh, and um, Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm in it to win it. <laughs> I'm hit to the hot. Or is that little fellow say ouch. Yes. <laughs> so think on, old son. Um, wonderful, lovely, and hip.
1: Yeah, love it, man. Okay, well, I'll, I'll have a munch on that. And I have my next in the clip, by the way. I thought of it the other day, and I thought, yes, well, yes we have to do that as well. So, yes, we'll get that thing But Yes, so, um, great. All right, chef. Well, wonderful, wonderful. Oh, um, how does one sign off a Conair pod?
0: Uh, I don't know. What, what do you think? Is there, like, a, a famous line, which is also kind of a way you say farewell in a foreign language? A... Grisham, no, that's not it. A Cameron Poe, no. What about a Cy? Anora. No, not bad, it's not bad. I don't know, the ball said perfect, but I can dig it.
1: Love to hear from you. Please feel free to reach out via our website, shoulderspod.com, or you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at ShouldersPod.